0: hi jeremy hi rafael hey how are you oh i'm i'm okay i actually i built up a lot of anticipation a lot of anticipation for this show um such that i was like restless last night thinking about it i was like it all comes down to this one show
1: <laughs> yeah it's a lot of pressure
0: it's a lot of pressure and it's the opposite mentality of the the origin of this show I mean, we've been off the air for yeah, a year. Re-
1: Fill often, release often. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like, you know, or more more work of less quality, faster, my mantra. Um, and it's like, been, yeah, so I, and I also watched this movie last night, Free Solo. Have you seen this movie? No. It's about this guy. Oh, the, the mountain climb guy. Yeah, he climbs without ropes and stuff. And he, and he climbs like El Capitan. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. I saw it in the theater. And so he's climbing without ropes, right? So he, it all comes down to this one climb. And he like at one point he like the first time he tries it he bails like a third of the way through because he's like not feeling it and I was like I don't know I watched this movie then I went to bed and I was like what if what if it's what if it was all <laughs> what if we can never recreate the splendor of the, the moment when the podcast was good and why am I doing this <laughs> and, and it's well uh, this
1: this gets back to this uh, very uh, uh, fundamental question for artists and, and there's no way you can review what you did. So, why worry?
0: mm yeah, exactly that's what that's what Kristen said. She rolled over in bed, and she's like, Jeremy, <laughs> 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 you've done you've well, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to announce
1: that I'm not the, the I don't feel the pressure for this episode
0: well, that's good, yeah, because we kind of we yeah. left we left on the in this place where um we we're you know we we're both feeling different types of pressure, not for the podcast necessarily, but a little bit for you, right like you were feeling like um." it wasn't bringing out the best in you and i was feeling like oh, i really you know this is
1: well yeah it, it, many facets to the, like one side of me is like i like art that doesn't have any opinion mm-hmm. i think a lot of work is trying to force opinions on you and i like things that are more still or open. yeah
0: and i was always trying to force um, an opinion from you i was like i wanted to package you up and merchandise you as well yeah Raphael. but it's
1: it's natural for, in the form of conversation. And so that was part of why we stopped, or why I wanted to stop. And then I was a guest on uh, another podcast called Sound and Vision, and they interview different artists. And the the interviewee, the, also an artist, he never brought up politics, but it just slips in because it's just the, the crazy world we live in. And then afterwards, I, I was like, why am I giving wisdom about things I don't know anything about, or as if my opinion matters, and... <laughs> so you know what it, yeah it, it's very different like running into someone and uh having a coffee and talking about stuff or having two three four thousand listeners
0: yeah yeah that's true and i, I think like what prompted um me a few months ago is was like hey what, what if we just did this like once a year we did like kind of a recap of the whole year um yeah and but it's just because a lot of stuff happens and we, you know, we talk through some topics and things, you know, does it, well, actually, I'm not even sure it does a lot happen. That's something we'll discuss today, but.
1: Yeah. Well, there's always, it seems we're never uh, short on topics whenever we run into each other.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you and I did like just a quick little call a couple of days ago. And very quickly had lots to talk about. So I'm not. I'm never afraid. Uh, well, that's
1: why I, I'm not nervous about this episode or any episode. But I am overall still have a strange feeling of uh, giving opinions.
0: Okay, so let's try and do this without having any opinions. <laughs> yeah, or just once a year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll make no yeah. points. But do,
1: do you have any of that feeling of? Um, like, this is this is an example of an opinion. And someone said, like, oh, people should take a driving test once a year. Like, someone says that statement. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, this public safety would be better, and mm-hmm. some people are really bad at driving. Mm-hmm. But then when you think about all the consequences of a decision like that, and then you understand why uh, designing laws is a complicated process and is not something you do f- from a tweet. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. But when I think
1: about that, it, I think, I'm you know, i not talking about political. I'm just talking about like giving opinions in fields that are not your expertise.
0: But what's the difference between an opinion and a decision? That that would be one of the questions. I, like, so you have a, yeah. you have an opinion on whether you eat breakfast in the morning, right, and what you eat for breakfast. Um, so at what point does it become an no, opinion? No,
1: no. But I'm talking about podcasting. Where do you ever have the feeling when you're on a podcast and afterwards you're like. Oh that was a very unresearched comment and I actually don't agree with it anymore mm, like the
0: like like those kind of political commentator or like shock jocks like Rush Limbaugh or something like that like the problem no, but with but, America yeah,
1: or or even even when you say something about something in your field but you might say something like oh, I think arts education should change oh, in this direction or that direction. Yeah. And then when you actually break it down, it's like, wow, uh, there's a lot more to that decision and I just said something off the cuff.
0: Yeah, I see your point, which is like, one, as you get older, you realize how stupid you are. <laughs> yeah. And you realize, like, to a greater and greater degree how stupid everyone is and that how much you despise the world. <laughs> and <then you're laughs> and then you're, Or how random things are, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I feel
1: more and more like like uh, when people talk about conspiracy theories and masterminds who plan everything, it's like don't underestimate the stupidity of
0: everything. Mm. But here's the here's the opposite uh, point of view, which is like that a lot of naive decisions add up to some pretty incredible um, results from time to time. Like happenstance or accidents happen in confluence together, and then like you know suddenly you've got a whole new culture on your hands or a new way of doing things and an industrial revolution, (laughs) the the ideology of progress, which leads to eventual uh, disaster, of course, but like there are moments. Yeah. It's (laughs) like a
1: a mutual failure and things that the, the, the the, everybody's testing things. And then Mm -hmm. overall uh, over the long course of time, you say, Oh, we've made a bunch of improvements.
0: Well, one big thing happened to me this year, you know, so this is going to be a recap episode, right? So, Yeah, it's not only the end of a year; it's the end, uh, and it's been about a year since our last recording. It's also the end of a decade, and for me, it was like my—I was born on a nine, so I was born in nineteen seventy-nine. So it's also like my fortieth year on the planet, Mm -hmm. and so that also was like this very—you know—we're at this reflective time of year. And you know, I know the first thing you're going to say is like, Jeremy, this is all human invention. Like time is relative, blah blah blah. But it—you can't help but think you don't need me <laughs> anymore. You can predict all my comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you're like, re- despite us not recording for a year, your your voice runs through my head constantly. Like, what would Raphael say? <laughs> 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 but it was a very reflective year for me. I don't know, um, you know how it was for you. But I, I left last year. I don't even know if it was on the podcast where I talked about like. I interviewed for thirteen jobs. Like I had, I turned down a bunch of job offers. There was even some that I was excited about, and like I, you know, I just was like, should I be an artist anymore? And I, I don't know. I imagine our listeners go through. I don't know how often they go through this crisis, but well,
1: it it seemed like uh, you had been at the same company for a long time, and then it's people seem to change jobs every year and a half. A lot of people. And so you've been there how long?
0: 10 years. Yeah, yeah. So I've worked at a tech company for yeah. 10 years. And I thought it was just going to be like and a three-month
1: you You seem to be someone who likes trends and directions and the way things are headed. So you see around you, everyone's changing all the time and everybody's like, break fast and learn often and whatever mantra there is. And you're like, oh, I'm at the same company for 10 years. I, I Sounds like a guy from the fifties. I'm a, a modern person. I should change.
0: Yeah. And like, and that's what you hear in the media, but also as an artist, you're like, well, you know, should I still be making videos was one of the thoughts I had this year. Cause I started, and, I, and then I decided, yes, I should. That's what I originally, you know, I really love doing. And that's why I started this, um, you know, but you, you have this illusion that to, to, you know, that you need to make a progress every year and that the progress needs to be like in a certain direction. But of course it's all your own invention.
1: I like this idea. And it's an interview with David Lynch and he said something about falling in love with an idea. And that uh, I think when you're an artist, uh, you start something and you make another step and another step. And I always tell people, um, especially if, if you're okay financially that you don't have to worry about the month to month. So you don't have that worry. So that doesn't factor into your decision of making work, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, For you. mm -hmm. So then you should only do what's exciting. That's the only thing. And I think you can be honest with yourself. Is this exciting? And I think it's a pretty simple question.
0: Yeah, I guess the, the the fear is like what if the answer is no? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah then you don't do it then you go fishing.
0: Yeah, fishing no i know yeah so but
1: you you're you're in a position that you don't rely on the sales for your livelihood that's true so that doesn't influence any of the decisions
0: but i think that i've been thinking about that a lot which is that like the the, hung, the hunger needs to come from somewhere right like and you know i think for a lot of artists including myself the hunger is there and you don't know really how to describe it but when it's gone or it can disappear from time to time because you may be like, you know, sometimes you I, I've made the mistake of taking... You know what might have happened? What? You've become happy. <laughs> yeah, I, well, in this free solo movie, actually, this guy is like a total jerk, right? I mean, but he's not really. He's probably yeah. on the spectrum. And he has this like girlfriend and she's like, why don't you care whether you live or die on this wall? And, you know, don't you care about me and don't you love? And he was like... I don't want if I love that I won't you know that I won't do this. Yeah, it's it, like the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. So he was talking about the Jedi are not focus.
1: supposed to have girlfriends because then they turn into Darth Vader.
0: He was pretty like kind of chauvinist in a way though because it was just like this male. No,
1: but but and uh, uh, um, the Jodis are always a famous example of the net artists who were very early. Mm-hmm. And I ran into I run into them every now and then, and we're from the same country. So it's easy to talk and understand each other.
0: I love Dirk and Joe. They always
1: seem so frustrated. I don't don't know anyone, any artist who seems so frustrated. And I remember seeing Dirk, and they have a big installation at MoMA right now. They're in the permanent collection, and they have a room of their own with four projections.
0: (laughs) It's pretty much as good as it gets. It's as good as it's it's ever going to get.
1: And he just, I had dinner with him. He's like, you know what, Raphael? It's never going to work for us. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean? It's just not going to happen. And I'm like, what do you mean? But I do think that uh, creativity is based on dissatisfaction. If you really love everything, why would you make anything?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that the people that are most successful are most miserable. Um... And it's a, I know it's a cliche, but I, I definitely um, I'm a very actually. Do you see that in in, in the same in the
1: same way in, <clears throat> in the world of business as the world of? Oh art. yeah,
0: yeah. And I've I, and I've spent like this last year. I really doubled down a little bit on my um, my business life to a certain extent, just because I wanted to like connect with why on earth I was doing it. Like, because I do get some joy out of it, and then I realized the most of the, my joy had come from like the really low times, like the the really terrible times at work when everyone was leaving and like things were in chaos because it felt most like being an artist, you know, which is <laughs> like, well, it, it,
1: but the, the, I feel like there's a big difference in, um, in business. There's a lot of practical issues and problem solving and you can get a lot of uh, satisfaction out of feeling useful.
0: Well, here's the number and... one thing about business is like, no one knows what the hell they're doing. And so yeah, there's I like, know. You know, I do this um, this uh, product management kind of education course outside of work, like another extracurricular thing. I have too many extracurricular things, but in the we do one section on strategy. And it's all like I've talked about it on the podcast a lot, right? But it's a room full of like vice presidents of product at different companies. And, you know, at one point this last semester, we do these like cohorts that, you know, we're doing the strategy section And I'm just like, has anyone ever, like, thought of a strategy and then, like, it actually worked? (laughs) Like, (laughs) anyone in the room has, like, put show of hands. Like, of course, there was, like, no show of hands because most of the big breakthroughs had happened by accident or, you know, were just a thought. And then it was like, oh, this makes sense. Let's go. And they just went in that direction and it kind of worked out. Um, But there was no, like, mastermind. There was no, like, moneyball moment.
1: But the, there is something about uh, attracting talent and having uh, bright minds around you. And then people don't have a clue, but the suggestions they make might be better than if you have less interesting people. And then uh, just the retaining talent and having talent around you will yeah. make the likelihood of things
0: happening. Well, the number one thing I learned this year in business is that the most important like, kind of thing uh, to focus on is like, is, is friendship. And, um, and creating, now I know that sounds like so super cheesy, but like, um, I did a bunch of like research, I interviewed people, like figured out we were going through like a crisis of people turning over. And I was like, I got, we got to, you know, steer this ship and return things to the way they were like, why were they special before? And were they special? And then like this one insight just kept coming up over and over again, whether or not like a person had a friend at work, which I had used to scoff at, cause this is a standard like Gallup question. In most business surveys, do you have a best friend at work? And people are like, why would I have a best friend at work? It's work, stupid. Um, But it turns out that's like super important. And then you realize, oh, okay, like what is a friend? Well, a friend is a connection, it's communication. And what is that? It's like the basis of culture. And like if you were to take. The friendship out of work, you'd be left with, like, essential, essentially, like, the you know, the draconian view. We have a business of, like, cubicles or, like, a steel mill and, and, yeah. and a workers all in It's lines. also
1: you spend so much time together. Exactly, yeah. And so... Uh, you, you have, what, 16 waking hours per day and you spend maybe nine of them at work, so...
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a miserable existence if you don't have friends. So, And then I think a lot of my troubles were with people that I didn't feel... Uh, like, that I was working with sometimes that I didn't really connect with as friends or I hadn't taken the time to understand them. And, um, yeah, anyway, long story short, like, you know, the closest uh, friend I made this year was, like, with my CEO, which I, and I'd always assumed, like, you always assume the person in charge is, like, just a total monster. And to a certain extent, they have to be. <laughs> but you always forget mm-hmm. that they're also, like, kind of a human, right? Like, if we were to think about... Um, Steve Jobs, right? People always talk about his creative genius or whatever, but he, and he was, but he was a, like, he was a monster. He was so mean to everyone, but he was also a human being, right, with a family and uh, hopes and dreams, and also felt completely one, well, you know, um, vulnerable almost every day. Likely, I'm, yeah. I'm sure Bezos, though we like, and this is not me trying to soften. This is, I mean, this is I'm kind of playing your card here, but I don't want to soften up Bezos and be like, hey. have,
1: have you seen the Twitter? Uh- <laughs> Did Bezos solve world hunger, yes or no? <laughs> Be- because he has the actual amount that they calculated with which you could solve
0: world hunger. Oh, really? <laughs> and No, I haven't. Did he, did he, but he hasn't obviously solved any aspect of world hunger. No, so every day it just goes, nope. Okay, so it, it's a good segue, though, into
1: like... I, I wanted to, one, one segue I wanted to say about creativity and happiness. The, the king of the Netherlands has an annual Christmas speech. And this year, the the core of the speech, he said, "It's okay if you're not happy all the time." Really, it's just really funny. Like, it, it, <laughs> it, it made me kind of like, "Oh yeah, that's what being Dutch is." It's like, you, not everything has to be fantastic. And he wasn't all saying
0: that like as he was like cutting um, social services. <laughs> He's like, and no, we, no, you know?
1: I, it, no. But uh, I also read, I don't know if it's true that even in the EU, the Netherlands is the most egalitarian country by income. Mm-hmm. So that's not so bad. But uh, um, the, the, I think the core of the message at first was about, I think it was a bit about Instagram culture and people getting in, enraged because their life is not as fabulous as Jay-Z or something.
0: Well, um, no, so no. I, it I, came I, from that place, but it's
1: just, it's just funny to say. I'm
0: reading a book about taste in, in the era of endless choice. And I'm sure there's tons of books on this. Like, you know, when everything's available to you all the time, why are we so unhappy, right? And uh, and maybe actually un- being unhappy is not such a bad uh, a thing yeah. after all. Depend of, of course after you you cover off some basic things like hunger, um, you know, yeah, yeah. murder that kind of thing. But
1: uh, you, you were talking. I mean, this is a bit of a, a jump, but you were talking about uh, procreate and different apps for the iPad. And then I was looking up the Adobe is going to release Illustrator for the iPad soon.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the well,
1: video they made, the video they made for Adobe Illustrator coming to the iPad is all people smiling with an <laughs> iPad on the couch, but really big smile. And I'm like, that's not what cre- how creativity works. Okay. Well, this is a, yeah. and there's always this image on Instagram of of the shot with like your iPad and the pencil and a latte next to it and a,
0: a matcha cookie
1: or something and a nice wooden
0: table. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, that experience uh, is alive. It exists. <laughs> <laughs> is the smile yeah, real? Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's all real. No,
1: but you just told me how much how much you've been uh, torturing yourself. Uh, can I make art? Is it okay in this era? What can I do in the age of Snapchat and what is my <laughs> worth in that blah?
0: Well yeah, yeah. so I guess there's like a bunch of things we need to cover off. So first things first, like this episode we have no time limits, you know some ground rules here. And this is also a warning to our listeners. This is
1: the unlimited XL. Yeah, episode.
0: this is like, this is, first of all, this is like a gift. This is a New Year's gift <laughs> to our to our <laughs> listeners who still are out there and really incredible, generous people. And this is also a little bit of a, a you know, in because we're only doing it once a year. And a, a bunch year. of assholes too. Yeah, sure. There's a bunch of, a bunch of your total, yeah, total mean ass jerks. But I hope so. The ground rules are there are no rules. That's always been the rule for this podcast to a certain extent, right? Like So there's no time limits. No. <laughs> We're only did <doing> this once <laughs> a year. so we, we said it's okay if it goes two hours. but maybe it ends in five minutes. <laughs> just like just like the original podcast, you know, we ended without anyone you don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, it's just like life. Um, so that's one rule. The other thing is we you know, there's some topics. We, we really do want to look back on the year. We want to look back on the decade a little bit, right? There's some topics. There Maybe some New Year's resolutions. Some New Year's resolutions. Let's look forward. There's been some suggested topics from some fans on Twitter. I don't know if they're fans, but just people who respond to me on Twitter. <laughs> but actually, some <laughs> classics from folks like uh, Intang Gold Egg, who I, I think like, or I'm probably still mispronouncing his name. But uh, you know, people who responded to literally every episode we ever created. All you know, all 93 episodes. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. So just some 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 great people. Uh, and yeah, we just have a ton to talk about. And like you mentioned one thing, Procreate, we can start there. There's really no rule. Uh, well, we, I think it came up, we were talking about what changed as far as, uh,
1: the tools we use in the last 10 years.
0: Yeah. And I was like, have you tried Procreate? Um, but like the iPad obviously was like at the start of the decade that was launched, right? Like it was the, you know, yeah. the iPhone hype was starting to die down. It was only two years. in, <laughs> They're like, what's the next big thing? Yeah. a big iPad. Yeah, and 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 like Steve Jobs had had a conversation with uh, with Walt, Walt Mossberg or something like that, and he's like, if you make it ten inches, and the same form factor, you'll sell billions of them or whatever, and the next computer revolution will start. And so the iPad. Well, the, arrived. the story
1: was that they had originally intended to start with a tablet, and then mm-hmm. they went, they by accident they went to the phone format, the phone size.
0: Yeah, but apparently Walt didn't know. But when that. you
1: think about it, it's not really a phone; it's a computer.
0: And, yeah. yeah. But I heard that like Walt Mothberg, who's like just a, he was a, a writer for the Wall Street Journal. He didn't know that, and he had said that to Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs was like, ah, "But let me show you what I have now." Um, and so he saw like you know either an early preview, abracadabra. Or yeah, abracadabra. So and and then what happened was it was the fastest selling device of all time. But I bought one early on, and I think I just read e-books on it. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. watch some YouTube and it wasn't but really the, a creative it, device
1: it, I think it is interesting that uh, on average that uh, computers are too complicated for people and on the mobile OS we can simplify it a bit and so it became kind of the, the uh, computer for your parents
0: Yeah, yeah, it did. uh, I actually bought two of them for my parents. I
1: don't know that many teenagers, but some friend told me that everyone anticipated, oh, kids are going to grow up and never even know how to use a keyboard because they're all on the mobile OS and use tablets. Yeah. And, but then he said, that's just because people give them their old iPads. But once they get a laptop, they're like, I can do so much more now.
0: Well, that's kind of the key thing. I mean, we've all been to a conference, obviously, where an old person is holding up an iPad to take a photo. And it's, it's definitely one of those, like, that, that you know, I, maybe I'm just getting old. I'm like, mm, that seems like practical. It's a huge screen. My vision is failing, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those, like, kind of dad joke kind of things. Um, that said, like for me, the thing that always held me back from being creative with like an iPad or any of these new um, platforms was you couldn't program on them, right? You couldn't create, um, th- you know, the software that ran on the device. Um, on but the device. could you,
1: could you, um, what are those VJ softwares? Touch designer and things like that?
0: Yeah, like the, they don't have any, all, all of them just have like kind of extended views that you can use the iPad for. So you have to use them with the laptop.
1: So the iPad is a controller for the The bigger
0: project. Yeah. Literally, I look this up every year, like programming on the iPad. And there's a lot of articles online that I'll link to in the show notes, which thank you all those who have thanked me for the show notes, which I diligently completed for so many years. But in the show notes, I'll I'll, I'll link to some articles where it's still almost impossible to code on an iPad or write write software.
1: What what could you, so it seems the iPad is good at things like drawing and uh, making music, having Emulations of synthesizers and uh, patches and playing with beats. I think those things work better on the iPad than on a laptop. But it seems that coding, what would be the thing that you could do better on an iPad than on a
0: laptop? That's an interesting point, right? Because you're saying that coding relies on keystrokes. But like there are visual programming languages uh, that have been around for a while that are less mm-hmm. keystroke-driven. But that could
1: be on a touchscreen <laughs> laptop. But what I mean is... When you think of the iPad as a drawing pad or as a sketchbook for musicians, Mm -hmm. it it really clearly is better than on a laptop.
0: Okay, well, what you just suggested there is like a brand new concept. So when the iPad came out, like there was no way to draw on it outside of like, I guess you could like, you know, there were some apps where you could use your finger to draw with it, but it was like finger painting, right? Like it was very crude. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, um, what's his face? The uh, painter. um, Well, there was
1: no stylus, so that also made it, uh, hard to be precise with the lines
0: yeah so anyway i think like one of the funny things about artists and using the ipad is <clears throat> it wasn't until the apple pencil kind of came along which App uh, you know steve jobs had scorned after steve yeah, jobs he had said, said like ah, a stylus and you know it's not a stylus it's a pencil yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah so this pencil comes out and um i have one and i got one for free like i did a, a gig at, at apple store because you're famous no no just like a, you know I had this uh, you know I, I, I schemed my way into a gig at an Apple store and then they give you an iPad they give you a choice of a watch or an iPad and of course the MSRP for the iPads way better so you're like I'll take the iPad but up behind the scenes I was like can I also have a pencil and they're like ah why not just give them a pencil so it's a hundred dollar mm. pencil though right like so you know it, it's not like it's a cheap <laughs> cheap thing uh and it's also i have the first gen one which is incredibly hard to use like you stick it into the side and you worry about it like to charge it (laughs) yeah it's like this hard connection stuck out it's terribly designed i know now they've got it way better but anyway the apps that got designed around the pencil like creative apps um they kind of are uh incredible this is why i was saying to you like you could do a whole podcast episode on this so like next 50 minutes for those who don't care just kidding we're we're not going to talk about it uh for that long but like yeah, there,
1: what, what what are the some of the things you like to do <clears throat> at Pet
0: Well, just once you get into it, you realize there's a subculture or culture, and so um, there's an app called Procreate, and it's like, it's like really inexpensive. It's it's under I think it's like fifteen bucks or less, and it's a it's a drawing app, but its simplicity, um, it's like it doesn't exist on a laptop, and this is where I think it's interesting in terms of media. And, but does
1: it exist in in uh, in a sketchbook? or...
0: It does, like on paper, but it it kind of goes above the sketchbook, obviously because so it's
1: because that's always the thing that's uh, interesting. You have this device, you have this touch interface and this new mode of interaction, and then the software is kind of referencing things like oil paint or watercolor or crayons, but it's also different.
0: Well, yeah, and this is where you know the purist in me is disgusted and revolted and is thinking like, God, what am I doing? Why am I choosing? You know, six B pencil on a you know digital <laughs> device. Like, why am I? Yeah. You know, why is this like fifty cent? You know, pencil. And you can choose
1: the grain of the paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Like, like, why? What? You know, what? Why? You know, why did it all lead to this? You know, it's two thousand dollars to draw with a pencil. However, like, I think <clears throat> there's like a few little things in Procreate that like you have these aha moments. And Procreate. The reason I bring it up is just because it's like a, it's a sensation and it's making like companies like Adobe really nervous and um it's i and i think for several reasons a for its pure simplicity but b it's simple and powerful and it can do some basic things that are kind of these aha things so like one and these are going to sound super basic raphael but like one would be if you draw a circle and you just like you draw it imperfectly and you hold the the pencil down It'll draw that circle perfectly for you. So it'll kind of draw the shape. Mm. Now that that sounds like super basic, but when you're sketching an idea, maybe you need some perfect circles, right? And it would take you, you know, hours to get that circle. Or you'd never get it. Um, same thing goes for lines or triangles and all kinds of things. So that's one.
1: Well, there are in, in the old world. You had things like a, a ruler and yeah, but that's cumbersome. what is that thing with two legs? I don't know what you call it in English. And one is a pencil, and the other leg is a needle, like
0: a compass. A compass, yeah, yeah. To draw a circle, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but you're doing this really quickly, and so, the, and then you like the other power feature that we've known for years is undo, right? And actually, like in drawing, they tell yeah. you you should never use an eraser or whatever. But the power of undo and the undo standard on the iPad for drawing—it's funny because it just became a standard, and I take it for granted. And every application is two fingers tapping. So you have your pencil in your yeah, right hand, and, and
1: I always found the computer to be. Great for color studies. If you have a composition and you just want to... You can hit a random script and just generate 400 color combinations and then choose one you like.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, they do harmonies within Procreate. So you can like... There are different palettes and one is a harmonies palette. The
1: problem for me with Procreate is if I look at it on Google Image Search, all the things that people post are so awful.
0: Really? What is it like, deviant art stuff?
1: Yeah, which might be if something is really... Uh, irks you and seems awful, that is probably the next thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ironically, but I think like it's like with any new media. So, first, it had to be recognizably different than um, like a pre the previous way of creating something. So, like, there's no way on my MacBook Pro that I can draw something um, that has like a kind of a human feel without it feeling kind of contrived. And, um, it's obviously cheesy to draw something organic on an iPad and I'm going to like, just like put it out there. Um, however, like there might be a level between that. Like when, you know, we're part of a generation of artists that started playing with Photoshop in ways where we exposed kind of, um, some of the media behind the message of like, if you think about folks like, well, it wasn't me, but like people like Artie Veerkant or something like that, who might, you know, show you the, um, like kind of the new standards of the, of Photoshop and that was like 30 years into photoshop right where it's like a, that you know the mm-hmm. checkerboard background will show through and then we'll print that and it'll be part of the wall and it's like what are you know what is real <laughs> i just like boiled post internet yeah. down into a really cheesy line but like well yeah
1: my position was always that uh, i wanted the computer not to emulate materials
0: you want the computer to be the computer
1: yeah. But that's what so and, and and that's the funny thing if you if you look at paintings by Ellsworth Kelly or people like that it takes a lot of practice and years of uh, control of the brush to be able to do that
0: yeah but abstraction
1: on the computer is so easy
0: No no you're absolutely right so all of I'm saying all this and that's like I still haven't made a real artwork um, I mean I made a couple okay. things. But I'm so fascinated. for you. It's
1: more about the cup of coffee next to the laptop, next to the iPad.
0: Um, well, I'm like trying to figure something out right now. I guess um, maybe this is just me exposing the artistic process. The same way, like I remember being fascinated with Photoshop when I was 18 years old. I'm really fascinated mm-hmm. at what this like holding a digital pencil. Um, yeah. In a in, in, like and and software designed for creating exclusively on the iPad. What that means, um, what might come from that and i don't have the answer but that's why it's interesting research so is as
1: far as um tools of like webcam manipulation mm-hmm. or uh, ar or things like that you're still programming on the laptop and then testing it on the ipad
0: yeah 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 and i went through a phase of like everything should happen on the phone but now i use like my phone sometimes as a camera or a sensor device and my ipad for something else and you know none of it's like yeah, I think it's
1: I, when I think about the phone the, the two things I like to do with it is the the field recordings and the haiku. The haiku is really a phone project. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think each device has this kind of there's like a creative moment for it. And I'm just saying I think the iPad is about to reach its kind of creative moment. And I and this is not me like shilling for Apple. It's just like we've been hunting for it and it really was solution first like technology, right? But yes. so it was like the original computer, like hobbyists were just kind of like toying with it. Yeah,
1: this machine is amazing and yeah. people are like what do I do with it?
0: Yeah. So anyway, Procreate Anything you want. Procreate mm-hmm. is like the first sensation and it's making Adobe nervous. So Adobe's like bringing all of their software, but there's other stuff on iPad like um that's trying to replace Adobe products and there's a segue here which is like Adobe wants to charge you a subscription which is pretty high. And all of this software is coming in at like 10 bucks and saying like, and it's like got more features than the Adobe product. Well,
1: 10 bucks one time purchase and Adobe wants like $70 a year or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's $70 a month for the rest of your life.
0: And I think like, it's interesting how, so no one, very few artists talk about how Adobe is like so embedded (laughs) in creative practice. Right. And it's like a Mm. monopoly of digital kind of, uh, and like, there's the same. Well, it seems
1: all the 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 digital platforms will just go to monopoly by default because you want to work together on the same platform.
0: You want to be able to trade trade files with people and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess. But like, I mean, well, here's
1: it, here's an example of, of uh, progress or not progress. So I I think uh, it is in Apple's best interest to shift everyone to iOS because people buy more software. I think there's more piracy on the Mac and people stick around with old stuff longer. Mm -hmm. so uh, I think I'm a good example that I like getting the new iPhone each year so I have a better camera if I want to photograph my exhibitions quickly Mm -hmm. so I upgrade the phone and then the laptop I have the same one since 2013 because it runs fine and it's even it still has an HDMI port and it still has USB-A and it runs an older version of Mac OS, so I can still run Adobe CS6. And so I'm just kind of stuck. Like, I don't want to upgrade because I'll have all these additional costs and hurdles. Yep. I'm just going to use this machine until it breaks. And I could see why they want everyone on the on the mobile OS because the updating is so much more fluid and people don't get stuck with all these little system extensions so the, you know how on the mac people are very particular about all their settings and that's why maybe they don't upgrade as fast as they do yeah. with the phone yeah yeah and i think the 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 software purchasing is way easier on the phone and you're more likely to be like oh five dollar app here five dollar app there and you never do that on the and uh, for example apple doesn't get a cut from creative Cloud. right,
0: uh, right. and
1: that's like one of the the if, if you think of uh, creative people what software they buy that's maybe the biggest chunk of their money. So it, it just seems that the the mobile limited OS is much more profitable for them. Mm-hmm. Well a, yeah no it, it, if the laptop is more of a, a customizable OS and you can access a lot more.
0: Well yeah like at work we have um our software we have two versions. We have like a classic version of of FreshBooks and then there's like the new FreshBooks, which was our replatforming project that ended in 2016 but it's like never gonna end because it's like we're always closing feature gaps and from people got upset <clears throat> i mean everyone hates change so some people yeah were vocal about not liking the decisions that i led <laughs> <around make>. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but other people do like it a lot of people like it i i'm not actually you know what like i can i can safely say most people liked it but there's like a percentage of people that definitely were holdouts because they had specific workflows right like and it's exactly what we're talking about where
1: macros and apple script
0: yeah and from and on the business side like it's true for apple too it's like you're looking for simplicity because you want you know it's really hard and you have to go you have to use way more resources and it's way slower to develop on like a legacy platform simply because the complexity has reached this point where if you touch one thing it breaks another thing and you know and no engineer wants to deal with that because it's like they want to build new things right like i want to build new stuff i don't want to like continue to maintain yeah you don't want to be a museum yeah exactly exactly that's what it is yeah it's like you know ben fino our friend um he used to <laughs> or who still works in like museums and with museums archiving digital artworks like what a nightmare job like no one wants to be him <laughs> he loves his job though I know he's making I think I I ran into uh, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast though and he's like there's so much demand for my service because like none of the museums know what to do with all of this digital artwork right no one wants to maintain this stuff and the artists don't want to least of of which they are he's
1: the nephew you want to have like oh Ben is coming by he's going to fix the computer
0: yeah I found out, by the way. That, I mean, that's always been me, but like, we decided officially in my family that that was the way I was going to care for my parents. My sister sent me some messages. We had a long conversation. So the way I'm going to care for my parents is as like with lifelong tech support. Tech support, yeah. And she's going to like give them yeah. hospice or something. <laughs> it's, like, uh,
1: it's funny. I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about this kind of tech support. And the best thing you can do for your parents is get them an iPad with a su- cellular subscription. So they don't even have to worry about the router in the house not working. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but then they have to worry about data limits, like data caps on... No,
1: you just give them a generous amount and it, it'll take a... Because you really can't mess up an iPad. It's pretty hard to do. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing that's harder on the iPad, on the Mac, it's easy to take over their screen. Yeah. Like you start a, a chat with them and then you can just fix their computer from remotely. And that's harder on the iPad.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, even with... But
1: the, I think there are tools for sysadmins that you can control other people's iPads and block them from installing apps. And I mean, like the that. gift the I gave gift.
0: my um, my in-laws this year was the gift of like consolidating their subscriptions across all of their services, like canceling stuff, basically. Um, like what? With what kind of subscriptions? Like the, the number of things that like, different video providers and news providers and even software that they're subscribing to... Like, you know, honestly, like I just, there's cloud storage. Yeah, there's a service called Truebill that like will suck in all of the subscriptions you have and show you how much you're actually spending. I just just did it manually for them across different services and and realized like, you know, you're spending sometimes hundreds of dollars. Like for me as an artist, it's like I've got web hosting, I've got like this podcast, I still pay SoundCloud $100 a year, and then I've got Disney Plus and Netflix and. Anyway, all added up, I was like, I thought I was a, like a cable cutter, you know, like the people who cut their cable and it's like yeah. they're saving tons of money. But I was like spending almost $100 a month on like not even the art-based subscriptions, just on like different like New York Times, Spotify. And yeah. um, that's like a significant But then amount.
1: again, uh, you have the money and those things add a lot of value.
0: So there's no problem. I think we're getting to this point like... um were, well, first of all, in this, in the case of my in-laws, it was like they didn't even know how to cancel them because it was in five or ten different places, right? Um, mm-hmm. So and so
1: they were paying for things they weren't using. They didn't even
0: know. They're like, oh, I use that. What? How did we get that? Yeah. You know, they had like iTunes Match, Apple Music. They never even used Apple Music. <laughs> Subscription to Oh wow! Okay. You know, and you're like, okay, this is wrong. Like, there's something. There, this is like. So they were using Spotify, but by accident, they subscribed to Apple Music. Yeah, I mean, I, and obviously, I work at a, a software as a service company, so I work at a company that makes its money from subscriptions and has for almost 20 years. But that when we started doing software as a subscription, it was a new idea, and Salesforce is like traditionally. Um, the The company that invented uh i don 't know if it invented the concept but really like made a lot of money early on and they had this they had the Salesforce logo. Do you know what Salesforce is? Like CRM software, customer relationship mm-hmm. management. For those people who don't know, and what is customer relationship management? It's like, who are your leads? Who are, like, and what is a lead? It's someone who's going to pay yeah, you money. Yeah, we made an episode yeah. about that. Yeah, we, yeah, okay. So maybe people might not remember. Raf. <laughs> anyway. No,
1: just a, just a reminder. If you go back to the business cards episode. Oh
0: yeah, it's in the business cards episode. So. Uh, Anyway, uh, with it, they had a logo that was like, you know, um, it said software and it was inside of like a no smoking, you'd like it with your no smoking kind of mm-hmm. thing. So they it was like crossing out the word software. And the idea was like software was dead. What they meant was like downloaded software is dead. It's going to be all in the cloud and we're going to subscribe to it. In the 20 years, like if we're looking back, actually, let's just look back on the last 10 years um, because we're at the decade. It's like there have been tons of books like you know economists and different business people have given tons you know hundreds of thousands of talks on like the future of subscriptions but i don't know if they've ever talked to like you know how when you're watching the local news and it's like they you know what's the word what's the word on the street like they talk to people in the grocery store at the mall wandering around in a small town i don't think they've done that story where it's like and you know what do you how do you feel about all of the subscriptions that you pay for and that everything that you use, all of your software and everything is subscription based. I don't think we've seen it from a customer standpoint, but my, my view is like in the next few years, people are going to kind of revolt in some way because it's like, it just doesn't really, you know, Creative Cloud, which we mentioned earlier, was yeah. always like, it was super expensive, right? You couldn't afford it. It was two grand, you know, for this Creative Suite from Adobe. And then they have a subscription version that came out and it, it felt more accessible, right? Because it's like 50 bucks a month. But fifty bucks a month is over five hundred dollars a year, and like the upgrade cycle is maybe every two years, so they're they're making a lot more money. Um, You're paying about the same amount. Yeah, and
1: I think it's uh, also less piracy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so in the because
1: it feels like a fixed version, you could pirate easier than something that's it's no longer there's no software version. It's just like a live feed of updates.
0: Yeah, and I just don't—I don't know what the world, like, what the end game is. Like, are we—are we heading towards a world in which we turn things on or off? Like, you know, where you have a huge switchboard of thousands of things that you're, you know, or where maybe well, there's if, services if you that manage the services. What,
1: what could become what be, could become subscription? That's not subscription yet for
0: you. Well, there's everything is a subscription now. You can get like subscription like underwear. You can get <laughs> you know subscription bath products.
1: Yeah, like car payments. You can lease a car instead of buying it. You can rent instead of buying your house.
0: But it's really interesting to me because it's like, it's flowing, you know, it's like everything is utility. And, yeah. you know, and it flows like this. But it is of, an
1: interesting point when, when you look at the value proposition, that like Procreate or Pixelmator, it's under $30 for a one-time purchase.
0: But to and, yeah, it's rent, you're renting software though. Like, and let's put it, let's like, so then if you look at it through like a horrible, Jeremy becomes a Marxist, you know, in this podcast lens. So <clears throat> if you really want to get political about it, which I know you don't, you realize that like, if it's like a car payment or whatever, it's all debt in some way, or you're renting it, you don't own anything. Um, and maybe that's a utopia, but like that means it can all be taken away very quickly. Right. So it
1: is. Yeah. But there is something also about peace of mind and uh, the, the, the value proposition I buy the iPhone once every two years or that, that was the pattern yeah I always want the new one and then the new one comes out and it's like I'll wait a year so then if you calculate it and then you get on the annual upgrade program where you basically sell sell them back your previous phone mm-hmm. you could ha- for the same money that you're paying for buying a phone once every two years you get the new phone every year and it's it comes up to be about the same amount Yeah, but it is. If you hold on to your phone for five years, then you.
0: I mean, I guess the cliche argument I'm making, or the good point I'm trying to make, is like you end up in this place where you. There are certain limitations to what works with what else. And so eventually it's like your whole life is similar to what a miner had in like 1950. Like you worked for the local Uh, mine, where it's like. Be careful, Jeremy. Be careful. i don't think your hardship is close to that (laughs) well my grandfather was a miner in the netherlands um no actually in belgium but like basically you end up with like here's the company store here's your like you know your company house this
1: this is where this is exactly
0: the cringiest things
1: yeah it's
0: super it's super cringy but basically like you can think about it though like eventually it's like how much are you paying apple a year maybe it's 20 grand because people will say like well, what's the limit to this, right? It's like, well, obviously like your whole life could be managed by one company. I don't see why. Well,
1: not. I do think things are not that simple because also uh, our lives have become more mobile or people change jobs or locations.
0: Unless you're um, mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, we live in New York and we just moved to a bigger place. You came and visited us. Yeah,
0: it's beautiful. I love it.
1: Yeah, and so the rent is quite high, of course, and you look at like, oh, what could we do if we bought a place and then there are different calculators online specifically for new york whether it's smarter to buy or rent Mm -hmm. and the instinct is always like of course you should own and the value of the property will go up and blah 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 but then there's four percent percent costs if you're closing and about six percent costs if you're selling and then there's co-op fees which just is kind of similar to rent and also goes up and so it turns out that this idea sometimes renting is smarter than buying, and so the same with leasing yeah. a car. You might yeah. be it might be cheaper, and you have less, especially the worry part. Like, if you have a failure of the engine and it's a really expensive repair, uh, if you're leasing, you're actually better off. And uh, I I tend to. For example, the the idea of, of buying a home, especially in New York, seems there's a lot of scams. There's a lot of pretending, mm-hmm. oh, it's fine and it's not if you really. <clears throat> and so anything you buy normally, you get a warranty and it doesn't work, you return it. Yeah. But if you buy a home and it doesn't work, it's your problem.
0: Yeah, I mean the the point I think I'm trying to make though ultimately is just like so if you're you're an artist, right? Would you say that your income is like consistent? No, no, it fluctuates. Yeah, it fluctuates, right? And like, so for anyone that's in a in a in an who's a like self employed, uh, and whose income is likely to fluctuate, and right now we've gone been we're th- in a period of economic expansion. As soon as the pipe closes a little bit, you know, like, you know, essentially you have to turn off the services, right? Like, you have to downsize. Yeah. And so I think yeah. as long as we're renting everything, we're gonna go. Th- we might go through these periods of like. Riches to rags uh, in terms of what we have available to us, like or we're, or maybe and, and I'm probably exaggerating because it's well, like I, I have to turn WeWork off. I think WeWork
1: is a good example
0: in, in that model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you couldn't you can't afford to work at a WeWork or because WeWork is a fraudulent. Uh, no, company. because
1: um, <laughs> WeWorks uh, frame themselves as a tech startup, but they're basically just a landlord. Yeah, and they don't even own the building, so they're renting with really long term leases, and uh, everything software it scales pretty easy and doesn't get more expensive as it scales right, so right. Or, or not that much so whether there's 10 million or 100 million gmail users it's uh not that different for them um and and, and a lot more money the more users but the more we work users actually the costs go up all the same it's it doesn't get cheaper by scale so um that's why they were overvalued because they promoted themselves as a sort of software as a service thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're flexible, and if your company grows, you just grow. We grow with you, and etc. But they are exactly if there's a lot of people working from home, and now times are good, so they're like, oh, I'll go work at a WeWork, and then when things are tighter, you just end your WeWork subscription. Which you, you're still going to need Creative Cloud, but the WeWork is like, okay, I'll just work on the couch at home. It's mm-hmm, fine for mm-hmm, a year, mm-hmm. but you can't be without adobe software so WeWork will be the first thing you can scrap out of all those subscriptions
0: yeah i mean i think disney plus is the first thing you can scrap or in my case like apple tv <laughs> like uh, <laughs> and then you work your way down but if, yeah eventually like uh i yeah just <clears throat> i don't know it's just interesting because i don't think that would if you but it, it, you it is things.
1: interesting that uh, let's say that you've bought a home that's pretty expensive and then the economy goes down mm-hmm. and then you're pretty fucked because you can't sell your place because the market is bad and you still have the mortgage payments.
0: Yeah. And then that but if to, you're renting, it's to, easier to switch. Yeah. I and mean, of course, mortgages are a form of, you're renting your home from the bank just in a different way Yeah, uh, until it's fully paid down. Anyway, I, I digress, but it is something that's changed over the last decade, which is like, we don't own yeah. things anymore, we rent things, right? So, yeah. you know, we have, so first, first point.
1: Well, yeah, it's like a lot of people used to have a server at work and now they just have Dropbox
0: yeah 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 exactly like Mm -hmm. the number of services that we surround ourselves with it's not like one or two in my case it's probably like 50 you know upward of 100 yeah but if
1: you think about it like the the amount of expertise you needed back in the day to have a a server that is syncing your devices if you run that yourself Mm -hmm. but and you just don't want to pay for that you could still there's things like my cloud or other things but you don't want to, so you pay to have free time.
0: Well, it's just like I also noticed on our like balance sheet at work, because like, I manage a budget there, that like a huge portion of our budget is subscription software, and I was like, mm, I don't think this is sustainable. Like this is yeah. like if especially in the consumer space and among people with. Um, their own income so
1: you, you think that there is a backlash that people will yeah eventually look at their statements and then be like let's buy pixel no.
0: I think the businesses that have been there early and are kind of these like you know food water so what's what is food water and oxygen uh, today I think it's like music right so like are we are, is subscription music going anywhere and that's something that's changed over the last decade absolutely not like however for musicians it's probably reaching a critical point of failure. So there's gonna, mm-hmm. we're going to have to pay more for Spotify, I think, in the next 10 years than we have in the last, right, once we're all on it. Yeah, gonna, Uber got
1: more expensive. Huh?
0: Well, Netflix now for me is like 17 bucks a month, you know, so it's like not cheap. Um, yeah, yeah, Uber got more expensive, sure.
1: Well, can, can I ask you honestly, mm-hmm. do you think you would feel better without Netflix?
0: Is this the, like, yeah, like what's in the Netflix challenge we should all cancel? No, or
1: maybe like it, it, the, the class I grew up with, artists don't have TVs in their homes. Mm-hmm. Like you're not supposed to have a TV. Really? Because you're you're above all that and then you're supposed to read.
0: But don't you go to the, mo- you know you go to the movies though, right?
1: No, no, I, I, I'm not talking about me, but just growing mm-hmm. up. In, uh, but
0: um, No, I hear what you're saying. What I
1: mean is the more you subscribe and then you end up is like, oh, I've been binge watching things that, I can't even remember. And what did I do? No, you're
0: right. And I have the opposite problem. And so this is, I guess maybe I wanted to get to this point, which is like, like I used to hoard things to a certain extent. Like I download a lot of wares, which is like illegal software or movies like torrents and stuff. And I remember I the, my number one budget item at the end of the year, every year was hard drives. And I was like, how much (laughs) should I spend on hard drives this year? Wow. (laughs) Like when is this going to change? and now <laughs> right now obviously like internet's fast enough that i've deferred the hard drive to the cloud but like um i've all of those costs have been offloaded into subscriptions and i don't hoard, but i hoard in a different way which is like i want access to everything all the time it's like and uh, i don't know i got disney plus i'm surprised you subscribed to disney plus well the problem was like i got it to um why did i get it <laughs> I wanted to just see Mandalorian Yeah, Mandalorian, and now it's over. Did you get it because
1: Werner Herzog is in the Mandalorian? I
0: love that. That was a surprise actually. I loved it. Was that
1: because there was the trailer and all of a sudden he's like, when you think about it,
0: what is a bounty hunter? Like, (laughs) like, Oh, I should see that. (laughs) It's really good. And then baby Yoda became a thing on the internet. We can't avoid, we should be talking about baby Yoda for at least 10 minutes, but.
1: There is a strategy with the, TV shows, is you like a TV show and you wait till all the episodes are there so you don't have to wait week to week. Mm-hmm. And you get the trial subscription for seven days for free and you binge watch it and then you cancel.
0: No, they're not doing that anymore now, though. Now they're all doing appointment viewing again, which is like every thursday like it was every friday for mandalorian i know but if you wait
1: till the end of the season mm. then you watch
0: it yeah because okay here's the thing like i have hbo as an example which i got for game of thrones and then they like tease out a new show yeah i
1: got hbo for silicon valley Silicon Valley, and that's
0: like oh i was gonna cancel and i was like ooh, new new curb your enthusiasm and then you're like oh. yeah and, it's, and a, so and, basically yes. i'm subscribing to all these services for one goddamn show <laughs> <laughs> but uh, think about
1: it's like $5 it five dollars per episode one thing that's one thing that's very valuable is your brain space,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so all the time you spent on uh, w- when you allocate, for example, R and D budget in your company, yeah, you're like, okay, people should have a retreat so they can think better. Let's turn off the devices. Mm-hmm. That's the real cost you're paying, I think, with the subscriptions. I don't think whether you, at the end of the year, you've paid a thousand or two thousand on entertainment. It doesn't really affect you or your safety or your livelihood. That's really you're just obsessed with numbers. But the a thousand dollars doesn't mean that much to you.
0: Well, I'm thinking of going back to this old rule that I used to have, and um, it was like prompted by. No, but uh,
1: answer, can you answer the question really? What? Because in, in, your subscriptions, you added them up. What out of everything you could cancel? How much could you save per year?
0: Well, yeah, I could save like a hundred bucks a year. Oh, a year, uh, twelve hundred bucks probably. or around that.
1: Yeah, but how much di- time did you spend researching
0: it? Yeah, probably $1200 worth of my time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So and, I, but think it's over you, ex- I think you have a hard time I think you have a hard time accepting your own uh, wealth. Mm-hmm. But I used to have this You're still in the student mindset yeah. of like, oh, if I download this, I could save 12 bucks. I and really, you could risk uh, getting a virus on your computer or ransomware and you're just better off paying for
0: stuff. <laughs> but I think I've become very comfortable. You know, that that's the thing. You're, you're absolutely right. Like, a, I'm a yuppie that's super comfortable. And I'm like...
1: Well, you also decided not to have kids. So you're going to have some financial space because mm-hmm, of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this all came to a head for me because I bought some noise-canceling headphones. Which is, you know, if we're looking back on this year, I think this is the year that noise-canceling headphones... Became like the most talked about technological device on the internet. Which ones did you get? I got the um, Sonys. Uh, For our listeners, there is a war that you may not be aware of um, that is always going on between Bose and Sony. (laughs) Okay. And Bose...
1: I ordered the AirPods Pro.
0: And now AirPods Pro, but it's an in-ear headphone, Raphael. For over-ear headphones, there's a war Mm -hmm. between the Bose QuietComfort QC35s did you to, try both? <laughs> I actually did not. I tried the Bose and then I read tons of reviews for the Sonys and I watched like YouTube videos where they record the sound. And then uh, what, what's interesting to me about this as a segue is this this device, these noise-canceling headphones exist to block out <laughs> noise, right? To reduce the amount of um, yeah, available yeah. information, and I
1: think like it's too bad that it's dangerous to wear them in public space. Like when you walk around, it's kind of you can't hear traffic. But it would be nice to reduce the noise. Well, the
0: reason I first started researching them uh, was because Kristen was having trouble sleeping because I I've been snoring, <laughs> and I was like oh, okay. I was like there must be a technological solution to this because, <laughs>
1: <laughs> honey, I'll get to the bottom. Yeah, of this. I know we
0: can spend our way out of this. <laughs> yeah. and it turns out there actually are some people that have figured out. Uh, like that, they can use these headphones for that, but it's uncomfortable, and they you have to use like a, a neck pillow, and you put the ear cup in the neck pillow. Anyway, um, but while while researching, I was like, noise cancellation has reached a really high level where it can like block voices, and um,
1: it, it can block immediate sounds and not just a permanent noise.
0: Yeah, like not just like it, when I was the last time I had them was probably ten years ago. Last time I paid attention to this. And I don't think it was much of a thing back then, but it would like, it would just be like if there was a fan in the room or something, it would like quiet it a little bit.
1: Yeah, and it especially works well in airplanes with the hum of the engine.
0: Yeah, and so this is the thing that I find culturally fascinating though, is that like the air, airplane as a context that you're in often enough that there is now a whole device category and war over how you block the noise yeah, of this and environment. Yeah, flight
1: mode on the software. And,
0: yeah, uh, Yeah. But we weren't spending as much time in planes 10 years ago, I feel like. I don't know, maybe I'm... Or... No, they've gotten a lot cheaper. Is that is that what's happened?
1: I think so. I grew up, you know, we would go to Brazil every now and then, but no one was flying. I would come back to school as a five-year-old, and it's like, whoa, you've been on an airplane. Mm-hmm. And I think now it's pretty normal, especially short-term flights, like people flying to around Europe is pretty easy. But also, I think in the U.S., maybe it was always mainstream because you want to visit relatives you have to fly and and i'm i
0: mean i'm not i'm not i'm I'm not excluding that this is still somewhat a privilege to fly but we've talked about flying on the episode a lot on on previous episodes but um that we are probably in the air to such an extent now that like it is it is like one portion maybe it's even like maybe it's only like 10 percent of our time but it's enough of our time that we manage there's a whole sort of there are product categories for us to manage that time.
1: Maybe it's also aspirational. Like you wear a Ferrari t-shirt, even if you don't own a Ferrari.
0: Well, that, that's why I was thinking like, you know, does, does noise cancellation, I guess the thread I started getting on was like, okay, well, what's unique about the airplane? Okay. It's crowded. It's really annoying. It's exhausting. Why is it exhausting? It's exhausting. Cause there's babies crying. There's noise. There's like interruptions. It's a sp- dry tiny air. dry air. It's a tiny space. And then it's like, that sounds like my apartment. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like living in New York. Um, yeah. And then, I, you know, you remember that uh, I, I, I did urban sociology when I was in school and they, the headphones were actually like a huge shifted culture in a significant way in the cities. Because what they allowed people to do was um, be uh, in context where being more overwhelmed was... <clears throat> like they could lower the amount of being overwhelmed. So living it's in the city... with the overwhelming... Yeah, br- cities had a brand like a century ago of being just chaotic, impossible places to live. And they still do, obviously, to a certain extent. Like in, you know, people say they can only survive in New York 10 years before their bodies like disintegrate or whatever, but like the idea of headphones coming along actually helped with a lot of that because it'll allow you yep. to like ignore, you know, all kinds of contexts, including completely, you know, one, you know insensitive it, ones. Yeah, like, it's funny... Like someone begging for money or something.
1: We used to be really in the middle of everything, close to all the trains. And so it was a very convenient location in the middle of sort of between Chinatown and Little Italy. And now we're in the Lower East Side in a more residential area. Not so many tourists and trains and things like that. So it's a lot more quiet. And I thought we would miss the busyness. But then it's about a 15 minute walk back to the busyness. but. The first day I walked back, I was like, wow, I used to live here. This is so crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so you don't realize
0: it when you're in the middle of it. I mean, you were right in the middle of it. I mean, and this is like, yeah. um, I've been slowly teasing our way through the suggested topics, but this year is um, someone suggested we do it like we talk about cassette tapes. Um, but it reminded me that this year is the 40th anniversary of the Sony Walkman. So the idea of portable mm-hmm. music or a portable soundtrack. Um, for the for the masses, because obviously there were, like, field, you know, devices. Yeah, it,
1: it makes life more cinematic.
0: Well, that idea is only 40 well, years old, right? The idea that, like, yeah. yeah, that life could be cinematic in the city and that, you know, that you could set the... I
1: guess the car was the first place where you would travel and have music on.
0: Yeah, and cassettes started in cars, too, right? And and honest, honestly, like, the yeah, car... as the radio in, before that. The car is the yeah. bubble that you control the most, right? It's like if you don't want to fly, you're going to drive because you want more control. It's a
1: great place for music. Mm-hmm. Car. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. But it, it, So the thought experiment, for the so this is like looking back 10 years, but let's look forward 10 years for a second, which is if things continue at the, you know, quote unquote, like accelerationist, you know, like out of control rate of you know, change. And, and I'm not even sure if really the rate of change is higher, but let's just assume that that's true. Do you think um, there might be, devices, more and more devices that are about removing, to your point about canceling subscriptions or not having TV. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of meditation that's happened over the last 10 years. Like that's become like a major theme, health and meditation, less meat, more of a, you know, more plant-based diets, like less, less. All those
1: things seem like an extension of a post-scarcity lifestyle where you're not worried about being hungry. You're further away from uh, immediate danger. And then you're like, Oh, I can work on this and this. All the things that previous generations didn't even consider because they were fixing the first problem.
0: Well, that's the main thing that I'm getting at, which is like I think as a matter of comfort. So say like the say say um, well-being across the planet continues to increase, and we get to this point of like you know relative wealth and um, access. Like we all have Disney Plus and safety. Yeah. At what, at what point does it does it tilt the other way, and it's like? then it's like, oh, yeah, I have everything, therefore I want nothing. And so, like, luxury was once, you know, having pale skin, like, you know, I know it's racist, but obviously, like, because I could afford not to be out in the fields. Um, But now it's like having a tan because I can afford to go on vacation. So Mm -hmm. is it, and I know, again, that's racist because that's from a a white standpoint. No,
1: maybe a less racist way of putting it is, Luxury was at some point white bread was uh, the Dutch word for honeymoon is the white bread weeks. Mm. And white bread was for Christmas or any celebration because it was way harder to make than brown bread. And now uh, the reverse is like, oh, can't believe you're eating white bread. Oh yeah, in trashy. fact,
0: I, in fact, I don't even want the wheat to be ground down. I want it to be rough and like <laughs> yeah, and artisanal. No? Yeah, and throw some like seed shells in there or something. Um, yeah,
1: and and so maybe and, in in the 1500s. It was uh, cool to be fat because you could afford to eat all you want.
0: Mm-hmm. No. Well, the thought so the, where this thought experiment's going is one of the failed technologies this decade. Tried to add more information to our field of view, not less, and that was um, augmented reality, mm. which is something that I'm super obsessed. Info with. gluttony. Yeah. So info gluttony did not. Some we, a bunch of people are like, nope, you've gone too far. Um, and obviously, like there's the famous Google Glass example that started off the decade. But then you had uh, Magic Leap that, like, famously raised billions of dollars. And then, what is they? I think they've sold like ten of their their headsets. <laughs> Have uh, you tried it? <laughs> I know in it. And this is the whole, the crazy thing, right? It's like someone who is was um, I was way ahead on augmented reality. I still haven't even tried Magic Leap. It hasn't come across my desk, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, tried Christina some of the has ones. it at work. Does she?
1: She said they tried it all one day, and then it just has been sitting in a box ever since. <laughs> it was four thousand dollars or something.
0: It's, it's not extremely cheap. expensive. And I, I have VR at home, yeah. which is another story we'll get to in a sec. But like, um, I almost went and like worked at this company called um, North here in uh, in Canada. That was one of the jobs I almost took last year to help um, help them um, with their augmented reality glasses which are are relatively fashionable and like so they're trying to sell them as things you could wear around but i know from a research standpoint having talked to folks uh that were on their team who have left and you know i don't think this breaks any ndas but like Mm. they kept encountering this insight which was um this thing's you know the technology is supposed to bring you into the moment and that's what sergey brin wanted to do with google glasses like so you don't have to look down at your phone right because clearly like that's you know, phones...
1: kind of what Apple Watch was trying to do, so you don't have to grab your phone all the time.
0: Yeah, my point to them actually was like, your number one competitor is not a phone, it's a watch, right? Like the Apple Watch already solved this. But like, um, yeah, no. But basically the, their feeling well, was...
1: notifications in your field of view seems like a, a dystopian nightmare.
0: Well, yeah, totally. So that's what they kept hearing, right, in user interviews and stuff, which is like, this is not bringing me into the moment, this is taking me out of the moment. And when I tried the glasses on too, and Kristen tried them on, she looked like a zombie kind of walking around you realize that like this is not the more information like this is not the right place to put information the only
1: use i i could see is it would be nice for uh, directions when you're using a bicycle
0: when you yeah but like think of all the other ways you could solve that problem <laughs> You could
1: use AirPods and they just have the voice directions?
0: I think, I mean, I know having studied sort of almost all the tech companies have in their patent portfolio, augmented reality patents, Apple, you know, and this is why this is like a little bit of a look forward. They're saying they're about a year or two years from coming out with like the AirPods equivalent of, of augmented reality. And I think the reason I bring mm-hmm. up headphones, too, is because the AirPods are actually a form of augmented reality. It's just... Audible, right? But-
1: and they're, they're one of those things that. Uh, so, what's interesting to me is AR and VR came with a lot of hype and promise, mm-hmm. and AirPods just arrived. Nobody was speculating. And there had been wireless headphones before, but they made them more seamless. Yeah. And now you just see them everywhere, and they function as AR in a way like you have a podcast and you're in another world while you're on the train, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and they just seeped in and nobody's like oh this is the new paradigm ju- they just seem too obvious in hindsight it's like yeah of course you should have wireless headphones and they should uh, be controlled by voice because the, because
0: we're 40 years in that's what I'm saying like the Sony Walkman was the first augmented reality yeah, right yeah. like and so
1: yeah yeah but th- that's more of an evolutionary uh, process and, and VR seemed like oh it's just gonna hit like a nuclear bomb and change everything mm-hmm, and,
0: mm-hmm. and you're right like if I yeah. compare to the Sony Walkman um that was a revolution right away or like you know the consumer revolutions like they
1: well that that's the thing i think with all this consumer stuff like it if, if it's worth it it's going to hit the And just like releasing it and thinking, well, we just need to tweak it a little more. I say, well, just give up. It's fine.
0: (laughs) I think there are stories, obviously, of iteration that eventually got the formula just right. And I think that's why people. Well,
1: I I think tablet computers didn't take off until Apple did it. But Microsoft had been doing it for 15 years. But Mm -hmm. the problem is they were using desktop software on the tablets Mm -hmm. and so Because I'll
0: bring one up that you that's again this is another suggested topic, but one that kind of like snuck up on us, and it wasn't like all of a sudden, but suddenly it became like a big deal, Um, and that's like um, adversarial networks, right? Uh, Specifically, like deep fakes and our Mm -hmm. AI uh, reaching this point, not of being able to recognize kittens in photos, but being able to generate uh, photos of kittens, Um, and this. This was not something that I think any of us expected in 2010, or even.
1: There's, I think
0: a, there's a movie called The Running Man with Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Do you know that movie? Yeah, yeah, of course. I remember it from the yeah, 90s. Yeah, and right?
1: they, they use deep fakes in that movie. So there's a there's a sort of dictator president, and he keeps releasing fake news, and then they reveal that. But uh, oh, really? It's, it's part of the, I don't recall part of the story. Yeah.
0: Oh. Well, you know, of course, Schwarzenegger was ahead of his time in almost every way.
1: <laughs> I think it was a Philip K. Dick novel,
0: but. Uh, yeah. Terminator is Not like sure. uh, Pride and Prejudice for our generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it,
1: uh, there is there is a thing, uh, maybe a theme of digital fatigue, where people are like, oh man, here's another paradigm shift. I have to go, and w- what used to be more exciting, I think now it comes with more suspicion. It's like, <clears throat> do I really need this thermostat? And if I buy these uh, uh, home automation things, am I going to have to update them in three years, and they're going to stop working? And,
0: uh. Yeah, I have a whole automated home. It's generally it's pretty good, um, but, but I did go but, through. But it.
1: there is a faster upgrade cycle. I don't think in the past you would upgrade your curtains every five years.
0: <laughs> no, but that's why you should subscribe to your curtains with you know curtains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong subscribe to your thermostat subscribe to your curtains anyway um i did eventually yeah on the smart home thing by the way it does it does go wrong when you try to automate things too much and then you're in the bathroom and the lights are changing color and you don't know why and you know the thermostat's <laughs> going up and down yeah. so i i discourage i would discour- you wake up in the middle of the night sweating It's exactly. i've had that experience um I, I went too far off the deep end trying to automate my home
1: turns out so so where are you guys at now and wait i had a question about vr ar yeah. with ar if you had to wear ar glasses what would you imagine would uh, bring you joy or be useful to you oh yeah well so i think soccer? that's
0: where i think we, we know we know what it is right it it would be less <laughs> so like,
1: no no but for you specifically as uh, okay. someone who you like quirky software. Maybe you want to alter reality as you're walking around. Like, what do you imagine you would use it for?
0: Well, I was, I was just thinking that you already solved this problem, um, or you've, we've talked about it prior. Which is like, and it's in movies as well. Which is like, the real killer app is actually the opposite of a business model. But it would be ad blocking. Um, Oh yeah, 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 and so I think like it would yeah. be we have to desensitize our, our environment that's what headphones do um, so that, that's what sunglasses do and then we can start adding things but people keep yeah, trying to yeah, add yeah. things we got to start taking things away anyway that's my, yeah. that's my prediction
1: <laughs> okay yeah and it maybe goes back to the tech support thing like you're someone who thinks about technology 80% of the time and your work is thinking with technology and you can't even figure out the smart home. So imagine for someone who just wants to spend twenty minutes on it.
0: Yeah, but imagine I could sell you a pair of glasses. And I remember I, back in nineteen ninety nine, I was having, I was, I had a, I was hanging out with a friend, and then a, a, a buddy of theirs came up uh, to the table or whatever we were having drinks or something. And they're like, I was like, where did you come from? And he he had just come from Steve Mann's lab, and Steve Mann is the longest living cyborg, and he works here in Toronto. And I was like, what do you work on there? He's like, you wouldn't believe it we're working on these glasses and they work. I tried them. And basically like you can look at an advertisement and you can say, I never want to see this again. And then you come back and like tomorrow and it's gone and you never, and it's just a black and you never. <laughs> and I was like, my mind was blown and I was like, that's actually a legitimately great idea. Um, And here we are, like we're trying to add advertisements on top of advertisements. And the, I think we've talked yeah. about ads on the show mm. before, but like, you know, most of the internet runs on ads. The advertising budgets of tech companies out out uh, are larger than their engineering budgets. So when you look at the world and you're like, "Wow, we've made so much technological progress. We have made zero progress <laughs> in how no, we." Yeah, add, how <laughs> it, there was
1: the example of uh, I think this software called Basecamp. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And and they signals. make a
1: sort of something like Slack, like a team management software. And if you Google the word Basecamp. Basecamp, all the competitors bought up those keywords, so they show up as the first seven results, and so they had to buy ads to even be visible for their own product. Even though they're the first Google result, they're the first uh, uh, organic search result. But there's so many sponsored results above that that it's basically a, what do you call it, hostage fee or a, like a protection money?
0: Yeah, Jason Fried is like, who's the CEO of Basecamp is like is actually a pretty incredible. Um, CEO he acts more like an artist I think that it's is. like
1: one of those companies that's really trying to do everything right
0: yeah and he's like rejected any kind of venture capital and you know and he makes these these statements they treat their employees well they treat their employees well they've, they've said like we don't, we don't want to like scale infinitely we just want to be sustainable so they've been a, they're a really interesting company to watch and, and their software therefore has like loyalists and you know there's some you know obviously there's better software or different software out there but they're like that's fine we're this for these people um and it's worked for them for 20 years it was founded in uh, 1999 um so uh but yeah he he came out and like and made a big deal about how and this is true in our business too google is the number you know we pay google more than anyone else and and in a lot of companies the second person they pay is amazon because of cloud services but google has cloud services as well and so Most of the money that you're paying these companies, if we go back to the subscription thing, is just so that they can advertise to you via Google. So
1: Yeah, it's funny. I I was looking at subscriptions from a personal point of view, and I was like, oh, you can cancel HBO whenever. But when you start a business, and you want to build a a software business, and it's going to be in the cloud, and Amazon can just raise the rent anytime they want, and and... You're not in control, and you're scaling, and you just have to pay more and more. And it's, they're the landlord.
0: Yeah, there's. I mean, these monopolies um, are really like they're anti-competitive. So I think we'll probably see some. I don't know if the American government's going to take some competitive, anti-competitive action. Um, that's probably the only way because they're so. I don't see how anyone could come along and replace Google Search um, in in the like in the next ten years. But I could be wrong, and that would be an interesting episode to do in 2030.
1: <laughs> yeah duck, there, there is there is how the duck sort duck of, go the took on the world and to, <laughs> if, if you really want to protect yourself from all the madness i guess the solution is just not to want anything
0: well maybe this takes us back to um yeah to i mean what does this mean for you if you're an artist or you're a creative person yeah. um uh and and i guess at the end of the day it's just that well
1: there's definitely a lot of subject matter so that's a bonus
0: there's subject matter i think like what you have the power to do obviously as an artist is like i think we've talked about this a lot is like artists have this ability to say no and to just like not follow the crowd or the herd Um, yeah
1: and and definitely you you can say no to normal expectations of life
0: yeah yeah, no one's like, are you going to have kids? In fact, they're like, why on earth would you have kids? You're an artist. Or, like, you own a house? That's ridiculous. How did you do that? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> both, most, of, you basically have no expectations for you except that you should be poor. But then there are <laughs>
1: other weird expectations. It's like, oh, you're not at, in Miami right now? Are you
0: a loser? Oh my God, I'm so over that. Like, I used to feel, yeah. I used to feel dumb about that every year for. But you know that feeling. I know exactly that feeling. In fact, I've never been to Miami and I'm. Yeah, 20 years into my I like
1: career. going to Miami, but not at the time of the fair.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'll say, just so I sound like I don't really care. I mean, I'd love if Basel was interested in doing something <laughs> with me <laughs> in December in Miami. Like, how could anyone be upset about that? It's like a wonderful you know, time of year.
1: But that goes back to that freedom of uh, expectations. Would, you know, like uh, in normal life, you might have expectations of having kids, sending them to college, uh, having a good car and, mm-hmm. and all those things. And then for artists, it's like, well, you're not really a cool artist unless you have three museum shows a year. You have a team of seven assistants minimum. Uh, Your auction values are at this level. Uh, You're in all these books and and encyclopedias. And if you're not part of the canon and the history, you're basically invisible. And you you could start, if you just keep comparing yourself, you could become pretty depressed.
0: Yeah, I mean, but there's like study after study has shown that more does not equal more happiness right so um more success usually leads to um uh like a want for more success on top of that right yeah and obviously like uh i'm still trying to work our way through i'm really like artfully trying to work our way through these topic suggestions but someone <laughs> someone suggested we talk but, about epstein but
1: i want to i want to reflect on what you said about yeah. not being certain where to go next because you've you've done uh, so much with video and then you're like where's video headed and these kids on TikTok are so much faster than I am totally, whatever yeah. you were thinking about. Yeah. And that maybe goes back to the expectations thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, you're getting at a, like a, kind of a good point, which is at least when I started out, like when I applied to grad school, I don't know if our, our listeners had to do this, but I had to kind of say like, what is your research? Like, um, so what, what are you interested in? And I was interested in answering a question. And most artists, like you said, like are obsessed with one thing. And my obsession was like, what's changed about performance for the camera? And um, specifically, like I was interested, performance for the camera, it was this like mode of video production, video art in the 1970s. And it was like performing for a, a technological device was like a new concept. And it resulted in some interesting work by people I don't know, like Martha Rosler, Vito Conchi, uh, William Wegman—you know, you know—kind of all these classic folks. Um, and then I was like, "Well, what's changed?" Well, in my when I was in starting out as an artist, what had changed was like the laptop and the webcam had become like the camera, and you know, digital editing was a thing. But then, like, real-time um, processing and computer vision was something that was new, and that's what I got excited about. And in the time since then, like you know i've had i think i've talked about this before too it's like i've had i've had calls with snapchat where they're like we want everyone to be a unicorn and you know that was a video that i made and you know suddenly you're like okay well what what is if the whole world is just making what i would have made because i was asking what was different then the whole world is different now what comes next it's a natural way to think because that's what got you into the position you're in in the first place but it's very confusing for me as an artist honestly because i was like Okay, I've done like uh, once augmented reality was like everyone's making face filters on Instagram. I don't want to fucking make face filters for Instagram, and I'll tell you why. Because like I also can't post a photo of like a nipple on Instagram. It's like a censored environment. And um, yeah, yeah, it's the mall. Yeah, it's the mall, and it's like like I don't want to help them out. Why would I help Instagram? Like you know, what have they done for me? Well, if they
1: if they, I think if they really offered people. Serious amounts of money, and you know, like, you make one face filter, and that you can live off of that for two years as an artist, and then be free. But there's not; they're just that driving engagement.
0: They're just driving engagement in their own platform, right? So they can sell more yeah. ads. Like there's but nothing the, in it, it
1: for I me. I mean, it's a free world. They're fair; to, it's fair for them to try.
0: Well, I mean, it does get to my true passion, which is the thing I'm working on, like this month, um, which is artist precarity, uh, and and basically. Um, figuring out, you know, what does it mean to be sustainable as an artist, and how might we uh, drive more sustainability through the art sector? Because the artists are uh, like notorious for just saying, "like that's not my problem," you know, that's someone else. Someone else mm-hmm. will figure it out for me. Well, it's like not happening, right? Like it's just getting worse. And there's been a ton of of research and study on this, and like artists are really among the most uh, precarious class of people and obviously oh, Jeremy and the guilt yeah I know but like, I, yeah. like so first of all the gig economy is something that happened over the last 10 years right now like what might yes. surprise you is that mo- like the largest share of gig economy workers are actually artists right so why are that? Why is that true? Well, it's true because forever artists have had to do something to make some money so that they could do their art, right? And so it's like, oh, great, great gig economy. Great. That's great for artists, except that it's like not as great as a restaurant job. Probably, you know, it's like the tips you're making are not as good. The the perks and benefits are not as good. It's just like, and maybe you could also argue there's way too many artists because there's more artists alive today than there ever has been in all of time. But like, if we look at how we're consuming as we were talking about earlier on the podcast, it's like, I've never consumed more media and paid artists less. <laughs> um, so I, I think I do really want to find one business model or one. And I know you do too, because you've shared, you've done projects early in your career where you shared, you know, your artist contracts and stuff like that.
1: Um, yeah, by- BYOB. yeah. And BYOB
0: and we even created this podcast so that we could help other artists like deal with the, I mean, all no. kinds of shit that goes through your head. Um, yeah, so I. I what about
1: I, community gardens as artworks?
0: Well, yeah, there's tons of things that you can do <laughs> as artworks. I still am starting.
1: Because no, when, when you were talking about art and sustainability, yeah, I keep thinking there's a, a Zen garden in uh, Kyoto with, I think, 17 stones. Oh, wow. And they're placed in certain positions that you can never see all. Or 15, I think. But you can only see 14 from every angle in the the garden. And it's been there for 700 years. And they, you know, it's the little pebbles that they rake every day in the pattern. And um, it's this living artwork that keeps people occupied to maintain the garden. But it's also not so precious. You can replace all the parts. And it seems like they've answered a lot of questions about sustainability back then. Hmm. Like... Not the spectacle, but you just mm-hmm. sit down and look at a stone, and, and the universe is there. And
0: well, you might be like hinting at something that was the answer in like the 1970s to the same problem, which was that we should pool our resources and we should like kind of, you know, form um, uh, what would you call it? Communes. Like, yeah, exactly, a commune. Um, but of course, then we'll like sleep with each other, and it'll we'll lead to all kinds of drama. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, there's a great Swedish movie. I think it's called Together, and the hippie commune. And then there's a couple, and then I think the guy is a little bit wimpy, and then this really attractive big guy comes into the commune. And says, Do you mind if I have sex with your wife? And say, sure. And then they're in the room and they're having the loudest, most incredible sex, and he's just sitting there crying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So that's the answer or unanswer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean like there's never one way. So I'm but we are like so I found I'm part of um a lab. Don't, that, don't
1: you think that you've made the decision not to have kids that that gives you a free pass to <laughs> so then not worry about pollution?
0: Uh to not worry about pollution. What's I I don't understand the connection.
1: Like your, your 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 contribution is so much lower because you didn't create another human.
0: Oh. Yeah, well there's one yeah, yeah, for sure. I sh- oh, so I should be I should just like throw bags out the window and no you
1: don't have to but you you could you could like if you do the the co2 calculation of your life's output Mm -hmm. and not having like an exponential tree of like five kids and they each have five kids and Mm -hmm. and and onwards Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's quite different
0: but that's an individualist point of view so right like like i I think that's another major theme maybe the last decade and then the decade ahead of us is like the individual versus the collective or the you know the societal shift versus the end of, like what's within your individual power and does that add up to anything and i think if we continue a, to think a friend
1: of, of mine uh, our, our friend austin lee is he made a funny remark It's like if the world ends in our lifetime that's kind of special that you get to see yeah.
0: <laughs> so austin
1: <laughs> like who who else in history has the as the chance to see the the, the last firework.
0: Well, I mean, I think there have been many predictions, like, you know, every century that this is the end. The thing is, yeah. the Earth will, you know, obviously transcend us. It's um, There's a certain selfish desire to preserve it for ourselves. Um, so, like, yeah, we could ruin everything. And, and of course, no one cares. Then we go to Mars. I mean, ultimately, yeah, yeah, then we go to Mars. I'm actually, like, playing a video game right now, which is uh about surviving mars it's like a you build a little city on mars and Kristen like saw that i was playing it she immediately like threw a fit because it's so colonial of us to believe that like yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so cute we're just taking over another planet anyway um i don't think any of yeah you you very quickly get to this point where either nothing matters or everything matters um Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, why don't I just kill myself? And that's how I'm going to work in Epstein. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> segue to Epstein, which we don't have to talk about at all. We could just say Epstein exclamation mark, which uh, yeah. Tracky Birthday uh, at Tracky Birthday on Twitter suggested as a topic. But I do think that like um, just opting out, uh, which is what Epstein did when things get out of control, is something that um, you know folks do. And as you get older too, you like opt out of going to openings. You opt out of having dinner out you opt out of all kinds of things but my parents are at this point where they've opted out of so many things including internet access to like save money to your point earlier about canceling subscriptions where they're like completely disconnected from society and like friends and stuff. And,
1: and how does that work for them
0: well like it's not working like so i'm like reconnecting them so in the new year i'm going to reconnect them to the internet i'm going to like get them what, what, on service what services. were some of the how, how did it change their life it changed it in such a way that like they were just downsizing to the point where um, they were, it was like, they're preparing for death. You know, they're just like, Oh yes. And we should get rid of this and get rid of that. I was like, how many, is this going to be a 30 year down cycle of you? But
1: What was the initial and was
0: sort of a cleanup urge? Uh, The initial thing was just that like we're retiring now and that means life's over, which, you know, again, for me being turning 40 this year was also something I was reflecting on, which is like, um apparently after 50 your me- your mental capacity um your your fluid thinking capability and this is again like probably junk science but like drops off a cliff and like the things that made you successful in your job or life like um no longer function it's like it's really hard to just think the way you used to think when you're even
1: even if that was true you could still
0: uh, make the most of it yeah well that's the thing like why wouldn't you mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. I remember my brother saying... You might, don't have
1: to just accept, like, oh, life is going to be terrible.
0: Well, you can accept that you're... Here's one thing I can accept is that, like, my body is deteriorating. And I just... I started noticing recently, like, um, I need to get, like, reading glasses. Um, but I've had hmm. glasses my whole life. So... And also, I take my glasses off to read. But the, it, the apparently, anyway, the science the, the, the science of it is my muscle for, like, fo- focusing through a lens is yeah. just, like, weaker. Um, and then you're like, "Oh, and th- I was talking to the optometrist and they're like, "Yeah, you're going to love these eyes in 7 years." I mean, cuz it's your eyesight say it's just going to keep getting worse. And they were really excited about this. They're like, "You should love this." <laughs> like, hmm. you know, whatever you have right now, it's never going to be better than this. And I was like, "Well, that's one way of thinking about it." Like, and of course, you could, you know, rather than sulk about it, you could be like, "Well, this is this is way better than it's going to be in 7 years." But that line of thinking can also get you to this point where it's like, "Well, um. I might as well just <laughs> You know, like, resign to the fact that things only get worse from here. But um, yeah. regardless, we've had, like, a good decade. We've had a good year, me personally and Kristen. Um, like, I met Kristen yeah, yeah. a decade ago. Shame you probably us. met Christina. Um, we've become very comfortable. You've established yourself as... A, like, you probably didn't know 10 years ago that you'd be an established artist. I didn't know 10 years ago the same thing. You know, so you take for granted. Like, everyone out there who's super anxious, like, am I going to make it? Am I going to do well? You're going to gain experience over that time you're probably it is probably going to get easier um you know i am from privilege but i also know people that are not from privilege who have you know built skill and expertise over that time and anyway um uh, this is like the this is kind of like feels like the end of this this podcast but it doesn't have to be uh yeah were there other topics um... I think we've covered a lot of ground. <clears throat> well, there are some like real practical ones out there, like obviously we mentioned deep fakes very briefly, um there was a practical one about looping. are you
1: them. gonna do work with deep fakes
0: um well, I was yeah I've, it's like an obvious we thing talk to, about the camera, but changing. literally every artist did it like this is the thing we've talked about in other episodes, which is being first is really exciting, but being like tenth it's not about it's really if you're gonna do yeah. it, you gotta bring something where you kind of yeah,
1: and it's a little bit like uh, when people started making 8-bit art and then it just becomes so broadly, there's so many people doing it and it's such a specific aesthetic that then it just dies out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, a lot of the work is ugly too on top of everything. So um, I think whatever happens, it's like the, gar- you know, we talk about the hype cycle quite often, but it's like a Gardner's hype cycle where like um, it'll it'll fade and then some, you know, there'll be some new innovation. But it amazes me that when I was, you know, like, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, like uh, there was this, um, you know, data moshing was like kind of a, like a yeah. movement. Right. And that was just like, like messing with codex. Yeah. Just messing with like codex was, you know, ha- opened yeah. up a huge creative palette of opportunity. So I'm hopeful that, you know, um, machine learning. And, and then things,
1: things resurface. So I saw a bunch of photorealist paintings at the Whitney mm-hmm. from the seventies. And so, you know, snapshot photography was, broader and broader and so a lot of painters would start to mimic bad photos in their paintings try to not paint like reality but try to paint like a bad photo Mm. and you just see a snapshot of a a family in front of a station wagon ready to go on vacation (laughs) no one uh, traditionally that would not be the topic for a painting and uh, when you think of the history of painting you think of very rich people and then all of a sudden it's just like an average family in front of a station wagon and and you sort of mimic the 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 contrast that's too high and the flash and things like that. And you see that photo now and then you maybe 10 years later it wasn't so exciting, but 50 years later it's like, oh yeah, that's how we used to take pictures and we still used to pose and we would only take one picture a month.
0: And yeah. yeah, it reminds me too. Seeing
1: that painting. So what I mean is that the deep fakes maybe right now they're a little played out and then in 30 years it's like oh yeah that's when all the trouble started
0: Mm -hmm. it also reminds me like um you think that your, you know the work you did early on is kind of already everyone's seen it or they get it or whatever but you we were chatting about how i have a couple shows coming up in in the next year or so where it's like looking at my old work which was like also a weird moment as a as an artist, but talking to some curators who are like, I, when I first saw your work, I thought you were just terrible because I thought <laughs> you were, I took you seriously. I was like, if this is post-internet or this is internet art, I want nothing to do with it. And um, often, like, people are misunderstood if they're, um, you know, if you're doing something new, you're not going to, I guess, the assumption is, oh, everyone is going to get this and you're going to make it super it, obvious. It but.
1: does, uh, making internet art kind of solves the sustainability problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Just because it's, like, accessible forever?
1: Well, if if we accept that everyone has their device on all day, so we can't even think of that as an option, Mm -hmm. uh, then you having a server somewhere is maybe... And you could do some... uh, You could find a sustainable server. You could find a a host that uh, offsets their energy or solar energy or something like that. Mm and then you're pretty carbon neutral and you're not shipping materials or using chemicals. And it's really not such a bad art form from that point of view. I mean, data
0: centers do take up real physical space and like,
1: yeah, yeah, but you could, you could do some research and find a sustainable data center.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you think that maybe there's a movement there actually in sustainable data centers. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: But, but let, let's argue for a second. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's all these options. Like let's say you want to be a painter yeah. or you want to, Sculpt using uh, metal and resin and things like that. That there would be a lot more environmental consequences to your work and shipping and flying the works and all these things. So mm-hmm. if you do the calculus, then net art is definitely not the worst one.
0: Yeah, no, I mean <clears throat> net art. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, uh, paintings are another. Are, are actually quite sustainable though too when you think about it because they can be rolled up and shipped easily and. Um, I think it probably goes net art than paintings. Sculpture being no, of course. I, but
1: but think think of all the the paint that you throw down the drain and all the chemicals used to make it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny yeah, cuz I, I just bought this huge book, the net art anthology book by Rhizome. It's like literally the biggest book that they could possibly have have printed. The bright green. <laughs> yeah, the bright green one. Yeah. Um, it's like it's such a slap in the face for that state. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <that> they <laughs> yeah. had to release it as a book. Also makes me laugh because you know the whole the whole movement um, was about ahistoricity, so that we should not be preserving this stuff. Like, um, and this goes back to I
1: never felt that way.
0: You didn't? No, no. Well, I th- I felt that way because of I think that 1970s video mentality, which was one of the ephemeral that um, the fluxus idea that art doesn't belong. Um, yeah, uh, to people, yeah. it's not property. It's an it's uh, ideological. Okay.
1: Yep. But the but the web was all, all, always like we were talking about TV shows being uh, weekly or. But I like this idea of YouTube being this vast archive, and you can watch it anytime you want. It's not a unique moment that happened, or it's not mm-hmm. disposable.
0: So here's here's a question for you, um, because I've noticed this is my behavior. I watch YouTube m- more today than I ever have in my whole life. Um, yeah same and more than any other media i consume it's youtube is that so that's the same for you
1: yeah it's like maybe 20 minutes in the morning i'll see if there's something interesting in the feed and then maybe half an hour at night
0: yeah i think it's like it's everyone talks about how instagram has taken over the world but youtube kind of like sits there on the side doing its thing but Um, but
1: i feel like youtube for me is more of a knowledge base and like references and instagram is more emotional
0: mm-hmm. but i'm always surfacing yeah you're right there's an archaeology to youtube though that i like i'll surface stuff from no. 10 years ago and i'm like just as you know i'm interested in i don't know i and i've always felt that way like it just feels endless and it's
1: and it, it youtube also seems the biggest uh learning thing if you quickly want to learn like how do i fix my sink uh, <laughs> this it's is true. leaking it's true it, it's really good for that yeah
0: but it's funny how almost all um, social media or all online media is now just separated into the media itself. So it's like, it's a network just for photos. It's a network just for yeah. text. That's Twitter. It's a network just yeah. for video. That's YouTube.
1: And I, I keep wanting to distance myself from it. So I sort of canceled my Twitter. I, I didn't delete the account, but I deleted all the tweets and I'm not really using it. Oh, really?
0: And so then you, I
1: still have a food Twitter account. Oh, I was, so like, was
0: going to ask you, are you still tweeting your, your meals?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I'm That's doing. Never and then, <laughs> so YouTube, I don't really post stuff. And then Instagram, I stopped following people so that I don't uh, nervously check the feed all the time. Oh, yeah. But then I still needed to post stuff, and I like posting stuff. And then when you post something, you see who liked it, and then you go check out their profile, and then it's another 15 minutes you lost. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you know what's funny about Instagram yeah. is they removed, you know, likes. But then they added this fucking thing called Insights. So they made this big deal about how they were ruining, you know. I thought
1: they were planning to remove it. Or did they Well, they it?
0: responded to the fact that they're ruining the world, right? Like the people are depressed and, you know, feeling terrible yeah. about missing out. And so they're like, we're going to remove the, like the hearts, right? From the gamification. the gamification of a post. It's not about whether you had 40 likes or whatnot. And I was like, oh, cool. And then they actually did it. But then like literally the next week or whatever, they added like a little thing um, to, to every one of your posts which is a link that says insights and you and then you and you get even more information was it shared was it reposted like how many times was it liked? like by who what are the trends yeah, yeah, would yeah. you like to amplify this da, da, da. You're like, oh, well okay. this
1: goes back to the, the company base camp where the like, well we're just going to be the chill company and we're for a very specific group um, but then it seems like the most aggressive company will win. And because software works best when everyone's on the same platform, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. It, it's really hard to be the soft social company, social network. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm, I'm looking at your Instagram now. I see your likes, so I don't know what you're talking about.
0: What? Really? Yeah.
1: It says how many views on your videos. But it doesn't show likes. you
0: your own likes. Like, look at yeah, your, your stuff. So you click on a I float. think they,
1: they're, they're experimenting with this by region, so it might be oh. in the region.
0: Oh, wait, you're right. No, it's, it's not back. A, it's liked by. Yeah, no, mine says they they had removed it and now it's back. You're right.
1: Yeah, I think as far as I read, they, they are testing it periodically, like a month here, a week there. and.
0: Okay, yeah, so it was off happens. on mine and you're right, it's back on. So, yeah. um, well, it didn't make any sense anyway. But it does beg the question like, whether you know we've talked about walled gardens before well no no here's the
1: oh sorry go ahead no no I, no. here i go interrupt what's the thing no the, the interesting question for me is how would it impact your career if you left instagram
0: right yeah so 60 percent of all art business quote-unquote or something like that happens through instagram um and so my feeling but, is, but
1: but there's there's a point where uh, you're so famous, other people will do the Instagramming for you. I don't like know. Th- they so, will
0: hashtag you. So I did stop using Instagram, and then I noticed that like shit wasn't happening in my you know. And then I post, I started posting just like once every two weeks. I had this thing where I just post like something, you know, um, that I was experimenting with, and then suddenly like the phone started to ring again, and I had shows again and stuff. So um, yeah. I think if your name disappears, it's advertising, right? And if your name disappears, then your career disappears. Well, it's
1: it's vague because when you think about it, is an exhibition advertising for the work or is it showing the work? And then is Instagram a place where you show documentation or is it actually? Because let's say you make a public sculpture in Toronto and not all your friends are able to go to Toronto yeah. isn't it valuable that they also get to see it and then but so they don't get to see if it, the they... photo if the photo ends up actually being a better version because when you're actually there it's raining and it's busy mm-hmm. and in the photo you can adjust it and make it more ideal and so then the question is like well what the work is actually what we're seeing on Instagram that's the shared moment that many people see and when you think of the role of a public sculpture it, it, it hits a wider audience so it's more of a public sculpture online than in real life
0: and i yeah but then like just a counter argument would be like and do i consume like a thousand public sculptures a day and what does that mean for any one public sculpture yeah Yeah. i don't know if we need yeah i mean it's i don't want to get into a position on this because i think it's just a context the present context that we live in is one where but you know, it's
1: maybe interesting to think about the, the context of NetArt where uh, there are no gatekeepers and we're all free and we are uh, in control of our own data. Well, that was the original premise, server. right?
0: The utopias yeah. have all fallen. Yeah. you know. Or, but
1: the, 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 the problem with the, the web is that it's so dense with information and different things that you can't, for example, hashtag something on the web that easily and, and follow things in real time. So let's say your friend is having an exhibition on the other side of the world. The next day, you can check the hashtag and see, oh, did people post something? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, for me, it just comes,
0: uh, nothing's changed at all. It just comes down to what has been standardized. Because if you look at actually one yeah. of the, the fastest but growing. But whether social that network,
1: standard is controlled by a single company or by an open committee. Well, that's
0: exactly the point. So, like, what's the other big um, growing social network? It's Telegram. What is Telegram? It's basically a bulletin board with encryption. What is a bulletin board with encryption? So it's basically a BBS. Yeah. It's literally a fucking, it's a BBS from the 1990s that you dial into is the fastest growing way of communicating with other people. Oh, like surprise. It's, you know, none of it is surprising at all. It's just like. That is,
1: that is interesting in the sense that uh, we think of VR and uh, tablets as new modes of exploring. And I remember seeing a video of the World Wide web in the early nineties and it was a, early 3D animation, like, what will this be? And they they, gener- they they rendered an actual highway with a gas station and a library, and you would have an avatar, and then go into the library and get a book, and then go to your digital home and read the book there. And then it turns out that Wikipedia's interface is way faster for finding information than emulating a physical book in a, on a shelf, and that you have to walk around, turn left two times to go to the archaeology section, and
0: But I think that's why the argument's generally that there are no no new new ideas. There is just the evolution of a single idea over time, right? Yeah,
1: but then, so if we have this, uh, basically the screen, the pointing device, and the keyboard, that seems to be... But the phone is pretty... Well, people say, for the example, phone pretty much nailed it.
0: The, yeah, so maybe you argue that the laptop form factor was a new idea, or the the computer form factor with a pointer and icons and stuff and a GUI, but they were mimicking a desktop, right? Like the literal yeah. metaphor of a, of a pen, yeah, yeah, at a table, you know, with some stuff and, and the typewriter, yeah, a typewriter. So it's like. um I mean, Marshall—it's very Marshall McLuhan, right? Like that, we look at the world like history evolves in the rearview mirror, right? We're just we're just moving forward in the rearview mirror, but we're Mm. looking back to move forward. And uh, I know that's not the exact quote, so I'll I'll quote it in the show notes. But uh, you know, the history of every new media is the history of the previous media. Um, But it does like there are a lot of people that are saying, uh, you know, this internet is kind of. Screwed up or fucked, you know. Like, and and there's like four companies or five companies that run the world, and it begs the question because I know there's an internet, there's like a second internet that academics started, right? Internet 2.0, just to like trade among academics. But isn't that like how the original internet started? Hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. But so, here, well, <laughs> but
0: my question is like, would there? You know, let's assume that that's the case that you could have a second internet. Couldn't we? Well, blockchain is th- going to solve everything, right? And is that like a third internet, or could we have like? N internets like couldn't we have millions of ways of communicating i don't know why the standards are so prevalent but it seems to be a factor of um the cold start problem or any network is only as valuable as the number of nodes in the network so it's like i don't want to be on some platform where there's like two other people because then you know what's the point you know i don't want to be locked into it it does
1: seem if you talk about a change that uh, people moved away from sharing too much permanently and uh, group chats have become more of a social network than
0: Facebook. But the number one movement in the world outside of the internet is this idea of experiences, right? Like, so millennials don't want, you know, you've heard the quote, like don't want things, they want experiences. And then there's all these goddamn like Instagram, like, experiences that you can um yeah get involved with. Like, it's,
1: it, it, that's another topic it's a little bit sad now if you travel and it's very hard to find a place that's not swamped with people
0: but how could we not talk about it as um as artists because i think um it's r- yeah, literally it's like whenever i see like right now there's a dr seuss one here in toronto that like or it's the ice cream you know museum in, in new york a couple of years ago every time i see that i see that as like an artist has failed to seize an opportunity <laughs> you know like there's it, like, well you
1: you could say that the artist fail if the goal is to reach as many people as possible but that might not be the goal
0: well there's that artist um what's the artist group the laser um uh kitten god why am i <laughs> i'm like googling this stuff As like, what it's not laser kitten ah why am i do you know what i'm talking about the artist group that sells like tickets to their installations Meow, uh, Meow Wolf. Is it Meow Wolf? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm not sure. What? Really? Meow yeah, Wolf. Yeah. Meow Wolf, an immersive experiences company. I'm even working with someone from Meow Wolf, so they're gonna, hopefully they don't listen to this and they're like, you don't even know where. How is the? How so what, like Meow, the work of this? Meow Wolf is like, they have a few locations. They have, a, like, I think they have staff of over 400 people now. They started out it's as like, like Blue Man Group. They started as an artist collective. Yeah, they were just doing little installations. Then they took over a mall as an installation. Now they have locations in Las Vegas, Santa Fe, Denver, and they make. Um, I think their their revenues are over a hundred million dollars or something absurd now. And they sell it these ticketed. Like Blue Man Group. Yeah, it's like Blue Man Group. I guess that's yeah, that's yeah. nothing new. <laughs> but basically, there's no performers, so you go and it's just like imagine. Uh, like an infinity room, like a or a, or whatever. It's uh, funny. I didn't know about this. Yeah,
1: it's like a a, a glitter uh, haunted house.
0: Yeah, and they are the they've so a lot of pith people in our world I think are critical of them because they're financially successful, which I kind of find interesting, and and probably also because they call themselves Meow Wolf. Um, so there's like a lot, you know, anything that's fun is not art. Um, that, that's not a quote. That's just like. <laughs> you know kind of a, yeah but
1: what, what do you think of the work itself when you see the
0: well i haven't pictures? i haven't actually experienced it when you look at it it looks like tropes from other like there's a if you go to their website you'll like see Tumblr. like there's a tunnel made of tvs you're like mm, that could be a June pike you know and i've yeah. talked to folks that work with the group and you know they have a research and development department that like researches You know, ideas, and it's similar to an agency where they might pitch different ideas for how things could work. And, you know, but they have all these, you know, all the same problems of running, you run into in an agency. What's
1: interesting to me about this is, and I think this came up a few times on the podcast, is uh, in theory, I'm for democratization and making art available at a low price for a lot of people and creating enthusiasm to a wide audience. Mm -hmm. In practice, the art, uh, the art that comes out of that, that does reach a wide audience, I never like.
0: Right, right.
1: So we we, we can be uh, idealists and be like, yeah, Meow Wolf has the best business model. They are unpretentious and they reach anyone. But then you see the work, and it's like I I really don't want to look at this. Well,
0: what it hints at is that exclusivity is something <clears throat> that in the arts will always have value, right? Like,
1: no, no, no. I don't think that's it. I think and yeah, this. This is part of why I think uh, I stopped doing the podcast because I, I just repeat myself. But um, <laughs> but it's okay. People
0: haven't heard this in a when while. You, when you start
1: listening to alternative music and noise music and you get deeper into obscure stuff,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you realize that the stuff that most people like is usually not good. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about uh, when you make a certain kind of extreme music, whether it's free jazz or uh, uh, experimental performance or whatever and you know that if you're really doing your job well not many people are going to like it
2: mm,
0: right
1: and so there's something about it, the democratization of art that you're gonna the the stuff that will succeed will be the stuff that most people like and I don't like that so and I think
0: the other thing I that, don't yeah the other thing is. I, like,
1: I, I mean I can ironically yeah. enjoy a Britney Spears song but I just I, I don't like pop music it's uh and I'm shocked that you're subscribed to the Disney Plus, and <laughs> I will judge you for that. But, uh, you know, we, we have to stand for something, and if we're going to just make what's already out there and what George Lucas is good at, it's like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you hint also at something, which is that if... It,
1: it's not... So No, just just to finish the thought, there, there was an interview with Larry Gagosian about elitism of the art world and art being expensive, and he said... Art is not elitist because it's expensive. Um, because when you think about it, poetry is not expensive. But how many people really read poetry? Mm-hmm. And take the time to read it. And to get it's to not know because it. of the financial barrier.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, that's the real deal to me. That, that if if you're really pushing something and making something interesting, a lot of people are gonna zone out.
0: Yeah. No, I, I hear you. In that saying.
1: zone out, they're gonna they're gonna take off. They're gonna lose interest.
0: But I, I like my counter would just be like um, what like the marketing point of view would be like people don't know what they want until you tell them, um, and I think in some of these cases it's just like it's actually not that they've made it art that's more popular because like I said, it looks like an end June Pike. Um, it's that they found a way? to No, market. it doesn't look
1: like it. It looks like Tumblr, and and this you're talking about Meow Company, but. Uh, Steve Jobs, there was an interview with Steve Jobs in his Next Days when he was a bit depressed. And, uh, so they interviewed him and he was complaining about a lot of stuff. He, he sounded kind of down and the, they were talking about the educational possibilities of the computer. Mm. And, uh, because Next was a, a company meant for universities and doing powerful research. And he said, yeah, the computer's not going to solve the problems of real attention of a human teacher, et cetera. And then he said, I I used to believe in conspiracy theories and that the government was sponsoring TV to be really dumb to keep people complacent. (laughs) And then he said, the sad thing I found out by actually researching media as a business is that people just choose to look at dumb stuff and they prefer it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have... so I think it's dangerous that um, I use the term
0: people, right because there are different kinds of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, but there are numbers. You could see the average viewing numbers mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. uh, all I'm saying is this is maybe just with punk music or metal or whatever you're into.
0: cigar is fine. If wine. too
1: many people like it, it's time to move on.
0: Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I mean, um, or at least there's subculture and then there's culture culture. And I think most um, of what you and I would call art is subcultural.
1: Yeah. But even something like Damien Hurst, you could see he's like a more of a Michael Bay than an independent filmmaker.
0: Yeah, but like Damien Hurst, like good example actually, because I don't think people right now are super aware of Damien Hurst. Like he kinda of jumped the shark. Uh, pun intended. But <laughs> <laughs> right, like he overexpanded and then missed the subculture that he was with. That really made him special. Right. It's like he didn't transcend. Yeah, special is a
1: good word. Yeah. Like it loses. It's yeah. Yeah. It
0: wasn't special anymore. Like I don't want to see God, the last like Damien Hirst show I saw was, I think I could or something. And it was just like, like just, a retrospective, but you realized, oh my God, this is like such bad work. You know, and it was like a whole room of butterfly paintings or something.
1: And he's one of the more uh, uh, he made a lot of work that is affordable that you 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 can buy a Damien Hurst calendar or a small sculpture for under hundred dollars. And so, in that sense, he's reaching out to people. Sure,
0: my favorite example that's William Wegman, who was like I thought a brilliant video artist who made just like you know probably ten good videos in the nineteen seventies, and then. Some of them had dogs in them, and, and those were more popular and decided to make calendars with dogs dressed as humans for the rest and of his they became party. hugely popular. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think at that point anyone was like, he's an artist. They're like, no, he's like a calendar, dog, you know, dog calendar guy. I
1: do think with him, there's still a subversive element of, of bringing that weirdness into a sort of a hallmark context between the gift cards.
0: Well, here's like an example for you that yeah I see what you're saying. But uh, so so one artist um, that I really admired in the when I was in school and I and I and I just ran into their work at a show in D.C. again was this artist Alex Bag and Alex Bag was the youngest artist ever to appear on Art Forum in the 1990s, and she did these like hilarious personas in video in the series called fall 95 kind of
1: a ryan chakartan type she of was like
0: ryan Tricartan way before ryan chakartan i really do hope that ryan chakartan saw fall 95 before he created any of his video work because it, it was like legitimately so incredible and, and it's like where did alex bag go and i saw her at, in this group show that had a few of our other friends in it like tabor and petra and folks like that yeah. and and I go to the show and it actually like her work was legitimately kind of awesome in the show. Like she took over the bathroom and she paired like her photos, photos of her and her son in the shower with um, soap. And like the soap was dripping down the wall. Um, and it like, it made me laugh because it was like, she was pairing zest with photos as if you know, it's like so unpretentious, yeah. but you know, uh, so I followed her on Instagram when I got home and then she like followed me back right away. I was like, this, you know, again, it was this, what made this person special was still seemingly alive, but, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but like in, in the history of art, it, it seems like I know about them. Right. And I continue to follow them similar to your Jody comment earlier. We're in MoMA, but it's never going to work out. (laughs) The thing that's never going to work out is like the thing that you and I see in them and that a few others would see in them. That's super special would be the very reason that it's never going to work out. Like,
1: yeah, and I do think I, uh, sort of my critique of mainstream culture. It it differs by decade, by time. like I think there was a moment maybe, early '70s that there was a lot of, big movies that were actually quite interesting because mm-hmm. there was a moment where the studios just couldn't reach the young audience unless they made weird stuff and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are moments when pop culture is interesting and it, it, it's possible, but in particular with art, I, I think I started out always thinking art should be democratized and should be accessible. And the things that I see succeeding and things I don't like. So I, I, in principle, I'm not against it, but it just, I'm not a fan of cause or, JR or
0: mm. you know. Oh yeah. Cause is an interesting example. Again, like this, I think street art definitely f- transcended, as a subculture into mainstream culture. Um, and we've talked about that before, but it's pretty incredible.
1: Well, Here I Um, go again with
0: opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) we're coming up on two hours of recap and have we, you know, have we really recapped the year and the decade? We didn't really talk about the year at all. Um, it was more about, um, the decade. A few things changed this year, but, in the grand scheme of art and culture, which I think we're usually talking on a hundred year, maybe 500 year cycle. Not much has changed. <laughs> I think would be my good point. <laughs> um, you know, we're still kind of yeah. in this et- eternal conflict between too much and too little of everything. And, yeah. uh,
1: and, uh, I would tell everyone uh, don't feel guilty and do what you want.
0: Oh, there was one last question. And this is like from, this is one last topic, uh, not to like ruin your good point, which was like a marvelous poetic end, but this is like hilarious to me. So from t- Karen Derricades, uh, she's, she's like, she asked for the topic to be auto-looping videos online. <laughs> Actually, that's not <laughs> the only thing she asked for, but that's the only thing I saw in her thing because this is a theme that has tra- like existed for decades. I guess I
1: never see them because I have ad block.
0: Auto-loop. No, well, she was like, how do you know, I want to be able to auto loop a video online and this is actually if you're an internet artist who made video was an issue for a long time if you put something on YouTube you couldn't loop it Um, no and so I was like I responded like so then you have
1: to render a 10 hour video and it's not really a loop
0: and actually but uh, I was doing something at work and someone um, looped a video on YouTube and I was like how did you do that and it it blew my mind there is a setting now this is more of a PSA that you can loop videos on, on YouTube now uh, and you could you can put it in a URL if you want to make it programmatic or whatever, um, and uh, that's pretty exciting. I mean, that's progress. <laughs> it's been ten years, <laughs> and now we can loop videos online. So um, you you know you think there's no progress, nothing ever changes, but then here we go. <laughs> you there can you go. You watch the same. Video I think over videos
1: on Instagram loop by default.
0: Um, do they? Yeah, I guess so. You're right. Yeah. I mean, no. the loop is, like, a whole topic in and of itself. It's a um, genre, yeah. But I think that that's what, the, that's what today's good point is about, is, like, history is just a loop. Um, yeah. Yeah, they had some, yeah, time. That's the, that was what Karen really wanted to talk about was time, time-based Time, based time bro. Yeah, time, bro. But it's been really good <laughs> catching up with you, and we didn't yeah. interrupt each other as much as I thought we would.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll, and, we'll let people write a software to find out.
0: And there's another piece of, you know, there's a couple other things we have to discuss. One is both of our partners right now are, um, in my case, Kristen is sitting in bed waiting for us to finish recording this podcast. <laughs> no,
1: Christina went to to a coffee shop to read.
0: So. Okay, so we're, we're holding our, li- we're, our lives are on pause whenever we record this podcast. And so just a thank you to our generous partners. I guess yeah, I'll also thank, a thank you. you to our beautiful listeners who, um, again, I said like a thousand people a month still listen to the show, even though, We haven't produced a new show in over a year. So I assume these are either new people, Raphael. I should look into the details, or...
1: I think it's SoundCloud that does that so you
0: keep paying for the subscription it's that yeah. or maybe some people are just re-listening to some of the classics i wonder what those classics are oh it's it's younger people and they want to i think i assumed uh, that we were producing garbage every week so it's really nice to just because we you know we went into no. this not thinking well we didn't really think we were bring, creating any value in the first place right because we didn't know what we we're we still don't know what we're doing
1: well i i really thought of it as uh, uh sometimes i do talks at schools and maybe a hundred people or two hundred people see it mm-hmm And I thought this would be a way sort of we make an archive of two artists and talking about how we come across things and the things we choose to do and the things we choose not to do. Well, here's something maybe it's helpful because a lot of artist talks when I was in school were very helpful, more than the everyday teachers, because uh, it's just like a fresh outside perspective. And it was very helpful to me.
0: I miss art school tremendously, though. I mean, I I spoke. Do you? uh, Yeah. I mean, I speak at schools. What do you miss about it? I I think it's just the bubble, you know, being being in that bubble with everyone kind of chasing the same impossible dream. Um, mm. It's really so the,
1: the, the camaraderie.
0: Yeah, yeah, the camaraderie of the impossible dream. Like you, you eventually you end up like us, and you know, there's a certain cynicism, cynicism built into the impossible dream. And what about
1: teaching for you?
0: Well, teaching, of course, is like a total scam.
1: <laughs> but you you don't think that would bring you in, in that bubble again?
0: Yeah, maybe it would, but I, it. Here's the thing about teaching, in my experience, and again, I'd love to hear, you know, from others too. But like, is that you put? It's so easy to put all of your energy into it because it's such a rewarding experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's nothing more rewarding than helping um, someone get over their first kind of assembling I, blocks. I
1: have, I have more and more that I enjoy uh, conversations with people one on one, but I have a hard time with groups because it's just. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the conversation gets so scattered, and then I lose interest. And so <laughs> I, I, I don't look, I don't miss school in that sense. I prefer to have lunch with people.
0: I'm surprised in this in this podcast actually, you didn't talk at all about how time is meaningless, like, uh, and that these are all arbitrary. Um, everything's arbitrary. That's usually that's your kind of yeah go-to. yeah. The,
1: well, I, I would uh, that's maybe if there's anything helpful, I could say. That, uh, you can't measure quality of your work, so don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, whether you're a student or you, you're 40 years old like uh, like me, there's actually nothing different between us except a, a bunch of time that's meaningless <laughs> <laughs> that we invented. Um, anyway, yep. the one thing we normally would do is we'd do a field recording. Um,
1: yeah, I don't think we have one.
0: Yeah, uh, so I don't you know. Okay. Should we should we go out and record something and then surprise our listeners? I guess like I could go okay. record my day later today. Yeah, and uh, you could do the same. And and yeah. uh, I know we're not going to record another episode, but I still love hear, hearing uh, field recordings. Or we'll record another episode next year. But yeah, uh, maybe next year
1: in like early December. We'll the only thing, yeah,
0: What? Here's a question for you: Would anything change that? Like, what if everyone who listened to this had to share it? <laughs> no, no. Because being popular wouldn't help. It, that wouldn't make this podcast better because it's just for you and I anyway. Um, like, would anything change um, your mind?
1: Um, and, and one of the answers would be, okay, if we we got a million dollars a week to do this, I would definitely do it.
0: Oh, okay. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it would be hard to say yeah. no. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. If, so anyone who's listening out there who has a million dollars and a field recording to go with it, <laughs> <laughs> so I can hear yeah. you. No, but
1: but but um, I, I think uh, part of it is the conflict of. As you, do you do you ever feel like uh, there's too much media and it's taking away from your time to make things? We
0: well, you know what. Like the number of podcasts I listen to has been dwindling, and the my my only desire and one of the most popular podcasts I think on on air right now, or a bunch of them are long form interviews. Um, Mm -hmm. is I actually am not seeking content. I'm seeking companionship and and relationships. So we do offer that. And so like, yeah, we offer, um, you know, waves of love. And I think that that uh, love in general, this was by the way, the last topic that was suggested. (laughs) Uh, Love -hmm. is something that we can give, uh, that we can project out into the world and it it will always have value. Uh, But I I, I actually truly believe that. So yeah. I love I, and I love talking to you just because you're an old friend and and it's always interesting. Even when we rehash the same yeah. old topic, I like to see has anything changed about it. You know, how, do I feel anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: But you, you notice sometimes with parents, they bring up the same topics, and at some point, like I know the story.
0: Yeah, it's true. buy a real estate. <laughs> That's the one in my family. Why are not you but buying more real estate? It's
1: funny they focus so much on buying real estate, and now they're like, we have to cancel all our subscriptions or we're we'll die.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, it's been lovely. Happy New Year to everyone who's listened uh, and is maybe to listen in the future and um, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, what else? Yeah, start your own podcast. Start that's your that's own one. Yeah, for God's sakes. Maybe someone now can take over. A lot of the ones that started while we were in business have, you know, gone out of business. But I think Bad at Sports is still out there if we, if we wanted to recommend one. Hyperallergic is still still recording. Yeah. Um, Yeah, go out and listen to some art podcasts Um, Let us know what you're listening to Hit us up on Twitter, but not Raphael Because you're not on Twitter anymore Um, But thank you
1: Yep Okay, enjoy a New Year's Eve (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye
0: あ、全て入ってます。サプライ割引中。<音声>